the basement where nerdiness thrives and grown men rant about toys. <laughs> fucking final episode of the Kevin Smith uh, <clears throat> View Universe retrospective that we started on a long time ago. I think it was like right at the beginning of COVID, I think, because I remember a lot of the podcasts we recorded, I was still, um, I was still... Uh, in film school, and I was doing online classes, so I remember um, pretty much being in that setup um, at my home at the time. So it's been a really long time. I mentioned it in the post on the Facebook group that um, a lot has changed, and uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta really start posting back on that Facebook group. Now that we're, we're out of the woods with uh, Kevin Smith, um, man, we got a lot more to talk about, but Clerks 3 is a bit uh, overwhelming, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and <clears throat> no, but before we get into it, I'd like to ask everybody uh, what their thoughts were uh, about the movie that yes, yes. we are talking about, and um, so a James Boylan says, Clerks 3 is the saddest comedy I've ever watched. Ha ha, and I love it. Uh, also, fun soundtrack. Now, James, I've actually worked with in the past. Um, I mentioned that I did uh, that movie that's streaming on Troma Now, uh, Taquitos. Um, that's where I know him from, but he's a really cool guy, man. Uh, he's got his own podcast uh, where I think he talks about cartoons. So, Rad. Uh, I, I dig his comments. Uh, I agree with the soundtrack portion of it. I wouldn't say that I loved it, but I, I'm also I also don't feel like um, I fall where you fall on it as well. I feel like he loved it. I'm kind of in between, and uh, from what I've been hearing on your end, I, I, it didn't sound like you were too partial with this one. <clears throat> yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, Heath Williamson, uh, he says. Uh, haven't seen it yet, and I told him, I said, yeah, you'll probably, you're probably not going to like it, because he didn't like Clerks 2, and uh, he didn't like uh, Reboot, if I remember, mm -hmm. but uh, then our buddy Ryan Zalewski, uh, he says, man, I loved it, I watched it in theaters and almost cried during the Dante scene in the hospital near the end. Uh, and so that's everybody's comments, and if you guys want to join the fun, join the Fresh From the Basement uh, Facebook group, join the uh, Speaker Brains Facebook group, uh, because whenever we do a podcast or movie or album review, uh, we ask you this, and 
you guys want your comments read out on the shows, go ahead and drop them. Yeah, we read them out right at the beginning. Um, and I guess since we read them out at the beginning, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. And speaking but, uh, of spoilers... Uh, you know, it took me a while before I finally saw this movie, and I think it came out last September, and I think I finally, we finally watched it maybe a month ago, and wow, two major spoilers, uh, I can't believe, the, how I avoided those two major spoilers is beyond me, I have no clue how, uh, Within those several months, <coughs> I, I I managed to avoid that shit. I'm surprised I didn't see it really coming upon first viewing because n number one, it seems like Kevin Smith just always intended to kill off Dante. Apparently uh, so. Two, like there's so many drafts of Clerks Three that came beforehand that always included him. So for some reason, just in the moment, it slipped my mind. I think because. Um, number one, the excitement of seeing it at the Red Bank premiere, and then also you're thrown off by Randall's heart attack. Because you almost expect Dante to be the one to have the heart attack first and foremost. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> apparently there's a draft where uh, Dante dies of COVID, and, and he said that he decided not to go with that uh, because it would instantly date the film. Yeah, that seems to be the thing with a lot... Because he's been working on Clerks 3 for seemingly forever. Yeah. Uh, off, off and on, on different yeah. Drafts. There was one, and we could definitely go into it later, but there's one where he died in, like, a mass shooting, because that was around the time of, like, the Dark Knight shooting. So there's a lot of things that are just definitely going to date the movie. This man has just uh, been trying to kill Dante, uh... By any means I necessary. do not understand this, uh, and I want to get into a little bit of that uh, when we, you know, get further into this. But, uh, so, <coughs> let's start with the fucking movie, man. It starts off with, uh, I think, I think pretty epically with, and I'm going to tell you right now, before, before we start moving on, I'm going to say, after watching it today, I don't hate it. Nearly as much as I did uh, a month ago when we first watched it. When we first watched it, I fucking hated it. I was like, what the fuck, motherfucker. Uh, and now I'm kind of like, eh, you know, uh, it's still definitely my least favorite out of this whole series. And it's sad that a Clerks series, the, the driving vehicle of this whole universe... It's sad that a Clerks sequel has to be my least favorite out of all of them. Yeah, it's like the crown jewel kind of like sinking to a low for you. Yeah. Um, that's why I kind of put it off for a long time. I was telling you that I kept saying, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it again. But I almost was like afraid of like, because an audience experience, especially in that setting with like a Kevin Smith crowd, like, it's going to be a very positive experience, and it's going to influence how you see the film. And I was afraid of just sitting there um, with no laugh track, basically, to aid the jokes. Um, and I have to say, like, I felt a little jerked around, but I, I didn't hate it. I, I'm more baffled by the choices rather than, like, oh, that was a bad movie. I more walked away, like, huh, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. I, I, I think I took it with stride in a way. Because I think there are some really good moments, but I also think there's just some stuff that Kevin Smith threw at the wall. Yeah. Um, and saw what sticks. But that's kind of, that. that's always been him. So um, I did like it more than Reboot, though, I think I have to say. I think Reboot wow. very all over the place. Wow. I, I hate to say it, man. I could end this series on Reboot and be perfectly fucking fine. You definitely could end it on Reboot. Like, I, I, it's I, sad that, when a cartoony-ass Jay and Silent Bob movie takes better care and gives better closure, close, uh, closure to characters in this universe than the main motherfucking series did. And it's so weird that, like, with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as well, if you go all the way back there, like, that cartoony movie was meant to close the book. Yeah, exactly, and I thought it did it fairly well for the time. And then when, with Clerks 2 originally being the final one again... I thought that ended everything for at least, you know, this side of the characters perfectly. Now, man, fuck. It's almost like Dante and Randall got pushed. Like, they joked that Jay and Silent Bob were always the C-3PO and R2-D2, but after Clerks 2, they easily, like, kind of settled in there. They're at the quick stop. They own it now. Um, nothing really happens from there, uh... But we kind of have, like, a, a true romance, natural-born killer situation going on where a lot of the stuff that ended up in Reboot was, like, unused ideas for Clerks 3 anyway. So, like, the, the script that I mentioned where Dante gets shot up, um, it begins on that whole cocksmoker opening. Mm. Um, I remember hearing a rumor that there was a draft where Jay and Silent Bob were in space. Thank God they didn't go with that one. Uh, <laughs> Jesus That's what, Christ. So in in retrospect, like the movie itself isn't fantastic, but compared to what we could have got, I, I think I'll accept this version. And at least, uh, and I, I told you this today, at least like the first 15 minutes, I like that we're back to a grounded Kevin Smith universe where things are low budget. It's not a lot of um, big actors in it. It's Kevin's crew. Um I mean, that quickly changes once Randall's movie gets rolling, but I I welcomed it. Yeah. Uh, I am kind of sick of hearing Welcome to the Black Parade, because when I went to Five Towns College, every room had a piano in it, and that's just what you would hear on the daily walking through the hallway. So that's my own, like, um, predisposed um, opinion of it. But I think it was a really solid use of the song for the opening of this movie and for where Dante is in his life. Yeah, I like the, uh, I, I really like the way uh, the movie opens, and I think the whole opening scene with uh, Welcome to the Black Parade uh, is pretty perfect. It's pretty damn flawless. Like, it, <clears throat> I think it's, even at toward the end of, the, of it, when you got this <clears throat> pull-away shot, and, you know, you're seeing everybody pissed off lining up at the doors, and you see everybody up on the roof, and you know, I don't know. It's just everything in that whole that whole sequence is just really great. And, it is uh, a good moment. It is definitely something where the audience was clapping every two seconds at the character uh, intros, but it also felt pretty nice, like on a solo watching as well. If I had to be nitpicky about it, it's like, yeah, maybe we didn't need to linger on too many shots of them playing hockey on the roof. But, you know, he really wanted to get, like, basically the entirety of that song in. 
That yeah. was like the first thing he leaked to the script was like just that opening thing, and I was like, hmm, I wonder how, uh, I wonder how he's gonna work my chemical romance into this. But I, I think, uh, I think it worked out. Yeah, and the the song's already like epic as fuck. Like, fucking, yeah, love the shit the out. It's the Gerard Way track we have in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you know. I was going to save this till we got there, but I'm going to say it now. It's, it's crazy how we begin the movie with a My Chemical Romance song, uh, and we're, we're showing the beginning of this stage in Dante's life. Then we end Dante's life with a motherfucking Gerald Way track. Uh, you know, and Gerald Way... Huh? I love that track. Yeah, yeah, a really good fucking song. But it's crazy how we end it with a Gerald Way track where, uh, you know, this is basically the the breakup of uh, Dante and Randall uh, or, or their ending. And this is, uh, this is a track before My Chemical Romance got back together. So that track sort of represents, you know, him continuing on without his friends. Whereas, yeah. it's, you know, it's maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but, you know. <laughs> but I definitely see what you're getting at. And that's what I wanted to get at. That's why I always feel um, a little back and forth and jerked around with these Kevin Smith movies is because it's easy to criticize, but it's like there is genuine thought behind these choices, as baffling as they could be sometimes. And um, I do admire that in Kevin Smith. It's always something that will remain, like, an undying respect is... Um, he gets his shit done, whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? Um, so, I don't know. It, he, he, defies, he defies the odds sometimes. Um, whether you like the movie or not, he's always making it for himself. Because that was one of the notes that I made. Um, there are some times where I'm watching this movie asking, like, well, who is this movie really for? A lot of these stories that are both in the movie... Um, a lot of the jokes in the movie is stuff that he's talked about thousands of times and are widely available. Uh, and at the end of the day, like, that's just what it occurred to me. He's been open about that. He's like, these movies are for me at this point. Yeah. Uh, and the Smith fans really, I think, uh, latch on to that, where they will laugh and engage with it, um, even if they've heard it before, because they like to see what he does with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely making them for himself. That's, that's where I went from a Gerard Way song. Um, but there's just a lot to talk about with this movie. It is really like a back-and-forth experience for me because there will be a moment or a scene or a line that I'll find pretty fucking funny, like one of the better lines that he's written in forever. And then there'll be a line like, my name is Fufu and this is between you two, where I'm just like, huh? <laughs> like, edit that into the script. Yeah, so like during this this opening scene montage uh, is already the first glimpse of betrayal. Uh, big fucking problem I have with this movie. Right out of the gate, they cut to a picture of Becky, <clears throat> dead as fuck. Uh, rest yeah. in peace, shit. And when I first saw this, uh, so me and my brother went with a, our buddy Joey. Uh, to his house and turned it on for a little bit and then it was getting late and so I, I went home but when I saw that I was like are you fucking kidding me? 
you fucking kidding me with this shit? Then the next day, Zach came over here, and uh, me, Zach, and Stas watched it uh, all the way through. And I'm just like, that's straight fucking bullshit. And then my brother's going to tell me, he's going to say, okay, Kevin has said that every version of this script, Becky is dead because uh, Rosario Dawson is a hard actor to get. And I'm like, okay, but you fucking had her. Her name pops up in the credits, and then I see that she's dead. I said, I said, she straight up better not show up as a fucking ghost. She better not fucking show up as a ghost. You had her. And you had her enough. You know, he had her enough to be in this fucking movie. Uh, you know, to me, that already... So they destroy, within the first minute, two minutes of this movie, they destroy... The perfect fucking ending of uh, of Clerks 2. They fucking destroy it, man. He pisses on it, just ruins it. I would have loved to see, you know, Dante and Becky make it. I would have loved to see them have a 15-year-old kid running around, hanging out and shit, you know, doing shit. But nah, nah, fucking, oh, because she's a hard actor to get, I'm, I'm gonna kill her. But motherfucker, you had her, so you wrote in all this ghost bullshit? Please. Ah, it, 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 Fuck, it pisses me off. Yeah, with a different script, um, it could have been enough screen time um, where it wouldn't have been a huge role. That's the thing, is she probably had to cut a pretty... Uh, they had to cut a pretty good deal to get her in there for as much as she was. She probably wasn't getting paid as much as she normally does. And more than likely was the most expensive thing about the movie. Yeah. So I could see Kevin Smith's fear and, like, we'll only have her in it for a little bit. But, yeah, at least have him have a daughter. Something where I know he admits he likes to invite misery onto his characters, but um, it, it was a little much, and... One of the notes that I took was it kind of makes you look back on Clerks 2 and make you wonder why he even ended it that way in the first place. He ended it that way in the first place because he seriously thought that was going to be the last one. Uh, it was a perfect ending, a happy ending for everybody, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and then he fucking makes this one and... Realizes, oh shit, she's a pretty big actor. Let me go ahead and, and and destroy this perfect ending I had. And but then when he gets her, he still keeps this shitty ending and says, oh well, we have you, so we'll film you as a ghost. Like, fucking for real, man. Before the reboot stuff, because uh, again, this script has been written and rewritten for years. I always felt like it was going to be Harley as Dante's kid, like if they shot this back in like 2012 or something like that. I could definitely um, see that. And in the, the, the script that I keep going back to, I'm going to go back to it a lot because it is incredibly different, but this is one of the few things that at least is kind of interesting is that Becky's dead, but Dante still has a daughter, and the daughter would be deaf. He took that and put it into Reboot, and huh. to Reboot's credit, I think it works better for Millennium to have that parallel of Silent Bob, um, whereas in the clerk script, it was just there kind of to be there. Yeah. Like, I didn't really know why. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that shit could have worked, too. Let's, let's have Becky dead, but let's have him, you know, being a fucking single father trying to raise a damn teenager. That's at least something, yeah, and he's working at the convenience store, and there's the struggles of that. 
mm-hmm. and then maybe he wants to be a better father for his kid. Meanwhile, Randall wants to make his fucking movie. That could be something where, and Dante doesn't have to die. Randall could still have the heart attack, but they patch it up at the end, maybe because exactly. that ending with the with the movie watching, like it has heart to it, but there's something really off about it. Yeah, this fucking so. <clears throat> yeah, so right out of the gate, betrayal. Uh, I mean, really. <laughs> so. You had your you had your welcome to the black parade. He logged in, and then he just when you thought you were out, he just takes. And it. it's a blink if you miss it moment too, man. Uh, he just looked down, and then that's the thing. The music is all upbeat. You're supposed to be happy to be seeing these guys again, but he Dante is. I know they recreate the shot from Clerks where he puts his head down on the table, but the con the the context is entirely different. Like. The first movie, he's just ho-hum because of his fucking job. Like, here he wants to kill himself. Yeah, like, here he hates being alive for 15 here, years. You. Think about this, too. Straight up, uh, basically, her and, the, what, her and the kid, do her and the kid die, like, the moment the credits roll on Clerks 2? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I mean, God damn. Dead. Like, fucking A. Even Zach had said when he first watched it, he missed the uh, the little bit uh, on the cash register. So he didn't know she was dead yet. He didn't know he was, she was dead until the hospital She's scene. Gone. <laughs> I was like, God damn. So, that almost would have been funnier that Becky went missing. She just said, fuck this shit. Yeah, took the kid. That is almost something believable for Dante. That, like, not that they repeat, like, Clerks 2, that he's between two girls. What if Becky just up and left? Yeah, like, divorced his ass because she couldn't stand his bullshit. Uh, there's a lot of shit they do with Dante in this movie, man, where I'm like, motherfuckers, you, you are mishandling this fucking character uh, badly. To create drama, basically. To create... Um, Basically, to reset Dante, almost. Yeah, dude, what a what a cheap retcon. What a cheap fucking retcon. Like right out of the gate, just cheapness. Oh, I just remembered this too because you mentioned like all these different scripts would have dated it. The script that I keep going back to, not only did it have like the the 2012 mass shooting parallel, but one of the core plots of it was uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy, like. Uh, devastating New Jersey, Randall loses everything. So instead of a heart attack, uh, Randall basically has like a, a, a mental breakdown God. and obsesses over the new Ranger Danger movie. Why is, does you know, he want? Why Why does Kevin want to shit on Dante so fucking bad? I don't understand this. I want to tell you something. You know what? Really, this reminds me of is, uh, I don't know how into, uh, Channel Awesome and shit you were at the time, but, uh, oh, when... You're talking to the right guy. <laughs> when they fucking did the To Boldly Flee, uh, movie, and all this fucking sucking his own dick goddamn shit and killing yeah. the nostalgia critic shit, that's what this reminds me of. Uh, oh it, God! <laughs> I mean, really, dude. Just there's no no fucking reason for it, man. But I don't. I keep it's thinking about it. It does definitely feel that way. I wouldn't word it as like to boldly flee level, but 
Uh, I definitely <laughs> see what you mean from where you're coming from. <laughs> like, I definitely could see the parallel. Like, and wow. The is there's a way to do this to your characters and still keep it darkly funny where that's the thing. You're kind of scratching your head where it's like he's genuine about this. Like Clerks 2 was almost a miracle that the genuine drama of it worked. Like before that, like Chasing Amy was really the only, like let's be real, that still had a, it's a comedy first and foremost, but it's the closest thing to a drama he's made. Um, I don't know, man. I just, uh, and we had we haven't even moved past the opening credits. <laughs> it's true, and in the end credits, they have like I'm jumping to the end credits. They have Kevin Smith uh, talk to the audience, and I guess that's just what it all comes down to. Is he says he's like, you guys are finally seeing Clerks through through my eyes, and I'm just like, man, I I, uh, I hate to admit it, but I kind of like watching Clerks through my eyes. <laughs> Seriously. I just don't understand why he wants to be so mean to Dante when, yeah, you, you mentioned that he said he likes to bring misery down on his characters, but I can't really think of many times at all where he brought, brought any serious misery to any characters. That's uh, why it was surprising when Randall got... Yeah, it's never any serious misery. That's the whole thing about the early films in the 90s is that they're young and their problems seem... Big. They're making mountains out of molehills, but they're these aimless uh, nerds, and that's what makes it relatable, is that when you're at that age, even if you didn't grow up in the 90s, there is still something to working a job you don't like, um, you know, breakups and stuff like that. It's very basic stuff that you see also in, like, John Hughes movies and any coming-of-age things, but the way Kevin spun it, and still kept that comedic lens over even some of the darker humor um, is what made it really stand out. He trusts his audience enough now where he he wants to do these tearjerker moments, but it doesn't really feel necessary. doesn't really feel earned. I like the idea of Randall having either the heart attack or the mental breakdown because... Randall is like that kind of guy who seems like he could be unhinged like that. But Dante, we've been waiting for that happy ending for him. We were happy See, for him. this movie didn't need all this Dante shit. This movie could have had Don, could have kept with Dante's happily ever after. This should this is obviously a Randall movie, but it should have been a better fucking Randall movie. It should have been Randall motherfucking having the heart attack. Making the movie and actually growing and learning to be a better person and shit. But throughout the whole fucking movie, he's being he's being more of a self-centered fucking selfish prick uh, than his usual self-centered selfish uh, prickness. Like it's almost unpleasant. Like goddamn, dude. Even like, at the end, even at the end when he supposedly learns his lesson, I mean, he still really hasn't. Exactly. Still have the scenes where, because Brian O'Halloran does really give it his all, as awkward as some of the more emotional scenes could be. Like, I am not slamming him. Like, I respect the fuck out of him for going for it. But you still could have that scene where he freaks out and has that whole big uh, rant towards Randall. Exactly. And have where they stop being fucking friends. Nobody needs to die. Yeah. It, you it, could still have that... Or and they don't. It could be a melancholy ending where, like, maybe they aren't friends at the end, but 
he's they're they're on to that next phase of life. Who knows? Because there's this whole other fucking subplot about uh, the the money for for Emma and the financing for the movie, where it's like that could have been retooled into something else or cut out entirely. Yeah, that just there was no reason for that except for just to bring that character back. Because uh, again, because they have because they have her, but she could have played any character. Yeah, she the hell hell they went back to the movies. Uh, she could have played the same movies character. We had a. Uh, we had that weird-looking girl from Reboot. Um, yeah, we had Kate Micucci. Yeah, that's her name. <laughs> that, was, that was another note I wrote. I'm like, she's poor Kate Micucci again. She, she must have a good time with this, but she has to keep putting on that fucking movies costume. But uh, so after after the after the big betrayal, uh, you know, is uh, this is where uh, we get we get Elias back, right? This is where. Uh, him and his family are driving up in the car, doing that silly little whistle song. And it's funny, uh, Elias is now 36 years old. <laughs> fucking, fucking being like this with his parents. And what's hilarious is, it's so believable, man. Um, Absolutely. Wild, uber-Christian families, man, can really be this way. Absolutely. Elias is like one of the shining lights in this movie. Like, I... At first, thought like this character arc that he was going on could have backfired really quickly, but um, I think the actor's name is Trevor Furman. He sells it so good. Like I found myself laughing mostly, not the NFT stuff with the kites, but everything else. I found myself laughing out loud the most to Elias. So kudos to him. Yeah, I think he's probably my favorite character in the movie, and. The best running joke in the whole movie is, what the fuck is a butt thief? Uh, the butt and his changing wardrobe is one of the best running jokes in the movies. Then you have a, a jokes, running jokes that don't work, like, what is this, a pornography movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was funny the first two times, uh, and then they just kept going with it, like, eh? All yeah, right. Kevin has a tendency like to to drag running jokes, and when they work, they work. But like when they don't, but they're funny to him. That this movie is like inside joke. The movie. Yeah, because um, it's a. It's like you said. It's it's definitely a movie made for Kevin, but it's also made for the fans for and his friends because of all the inside jokes. Thing is, is this is the only uh, weirdly enough, this is the only uh, movie in the whole universe. Maybe next to Reboot, where you absolutely have to see the other ones to uh, get a lot of this. Whereas the other ones, you don't have to watch any of it in chronological order to to enjoy it, but you have a little more fun because you will catch some of the uh, subtle in-jokes and stuff and references. Whereas this one, this one's straight up. If you haven't seen Clerks 2, Clerks 1, if you haven't seen any of them, you're going to be lost. And I guess it makes sense for a third entry, but yeah, it's not just you have to see Clerks 1 and 2. You have to watch All Reboot of them. because Millennium, yeah, it's necessary reading. That's yeah. Your, that's your homework assignment. Yeah, you have to fucking do your homework to, uh, to which isn't a bad thing. thing is, is it, it, if, the, if the series has gone on this long and, and you're going to watch the third one after a 30-year movie series, like, that's your own fault. <laughs> 
for and that's another thing is that it, it he's selling to the fan base at this point because there is enough of them out there to make the money back. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's really not going any wider than that anymore. Like Kevin Smith back in the nineties, um, it was a bit of a wider influence through word of mouth and through video stores and through cult following. And the movies were making it into major theaters. Um, whereas nowadays, he has his corner of the world, yeah. where he's, he's king, basically. And I both enjoy that, and also could see it as a detriment. I'm never all the way negative with Kevin. I am, like, always entertained by him in some way, shape, or form. So, I never say this in, like, a, a horribly negative light, but... It's also just what's going on and how I've observed it is he has his niche group of fans where that is that that's where he is now and where he's gonna be. Yeah. So <clears throat> they, uh, Elias walks in and uh, they're care him and him and his new buddy uh, are carrying in this box of kites. And I do like what he says. What does he say? Something about, uh, God, what does he say? He says something to him like, this is affecting uh, you being able to carry this box or some shit. Yeah. Uh, but I can't remember what it was. The, the throwaway Elias lines are very chuckle-worthy. And yeah. I like the, uh, the line that Randall, he calls them the creepy Christ kites. Yeah. Um, they got the bloody Christ on them. And, uh, yeah, so he mentions this, and then he mentions, uh, he's like, yeah, you guys are in a creepy death cult, and what the fuck is he calling it, um, and it cuts to this, like, heavy metal music, and these, uh, Christian-y people, or whatever from the club, that... Yeah, there's, like, these family guy cutaways. Yeah, and, like, it's like, okay, cool, whatever, but, uh, then they, his buddy is, like, just whispering to him, uh... Which is weird, because we have met people like that um, before. Our younger brother had a girlfriend that was exactly like that, where she wouldn't speak to nobody. Uh, she would whisper in his ear, and then he would repeat it. Uh, totally weird. <laughs> yeah. Totally fucking weird. But he mentions, yeah, and that's your silent Bob. So I'm like, you know what's weird about this? You did this twice now. Uh, you get it, it. It made more sense the way he did. He did it in reboot. You know, Jay's daughter has her own Silent Bob, the deaf girl, and it it, it worked uh, because she just was, she was deaf. You know, she couldn't speak. Uh, totally made sense. It totally worked. And she got a proper introduction. Where this guy, I don't know how long he's known Elias. I don't know. Um, their their history together. Yeah. Uh, he's just I there. He's played by like Harley Quinn Smith's like boyfriend, so that's why he's in the movie. Yeah. I think. I yeah. Believe that's who that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they were dating or something. I don't know if they still are or not. That shot at the end where they're at the funeral and they kind of give each other a little smile. So that's meant to be like the little the again the end joke. Yeah. And I would have never known, uh, unless Zach didn't tell me uh, when we were watching it. And I was like, oh, okay. Unless Kevin doesn't tell you at, like, the Q&As. You know? All and right. Like, back then, 
behind the scenes stuff used to be like sought after information and nowadays like you get a DVD a Blu-ray you see a movie you 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 get to know everything about it like firsthand right right afterwards and in this movie again it's quite literally because the the end credits uh, music fades and it is just Kevin Smith talking for uh, like five minutes <laughs> Huh. I haven't even seen that bit. I, I so far every time I've watched this movie, I've cut it off as soon as the credits roll. Yeah, you have Pearl Jam playing, and then hey, everybody, it's me, Kevin Smith. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for watching this, and then he just goes into it. It's kind of like I get why Tusk ended that way, because for people who weren't in the know that it spawned from a podcast, that's a cool way of condensing that cool little tidbit into the credits. But here. Again, unless you're watching it with a live audience, where, yeah, that's kind of cool, you have Kevin's voice, like, booming over the theater. Um, I don't know, man. But back on track with the plot, they have, like, this whole NFT scheme put together with this with these kites, and that kind of becomes a through line throughout the movie that, that kind of resolves everything at the end, and it's one of the plot lines that I don't find confusing, but I just don't don't know why yeah like that's what's gonna date the movie is just a reference of nfts at all yeah it's a little odd um i mean uh it 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 allows for some funny jokes like your your make pretend matrix money and yeah uh stuff like that elon muskrat yeah it makes for some decent little gags but for the most part it's only it's only there for them to to resolve that that bullshit at the end real quick with Emma that again also could have been good. so these two plot lines could have either been reworked or cut out exactly. or we're gonna keep the Emma thing like it didn't have to be NFT like at this point like Elias could have a fucking like lemonade stand you know All right I mean? yeah. He could be selling lemonade on the street for 50 cents. Once he goes Satanist, he could become a prostitute. Like, who knows? Yeah. But, uh, so they have this back and forth for a minute that, you know, does kind of feel a little long. This whole back and forth bit with the, you know, what God do you pray to? Da, da, da. I pray to Crom. No, 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 no. And it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And then we get the, my name is Fufu. This is between you two, and Dante goes to the back room, and still the back and forth, and back and forth, and then clearly Randall's showing some discomfort, and, uh, you know, falls over, and he's like, oh my god, uh, Mr. Dante, I do like that, that he's still calling him Mr. Dante, and he's like, you're 36 years old, man, that is pretty funny, uh, but yeah, so Dante runs in there, and instantly calls, uh, the ambulance. Now, I get it, you know, da-da-da, keep the movie running, but how does he know that he needs to instantly call an ambulance? Whereas, nobody knows what's wrong with Randall at this moment. Uh, you know, he could have just tripped and fell, for all anybody knows. But as soon as Dante runs out there, he calls an ambulance. Um, yeah, again, it's definitely meant to be dramatic, cinematic in a way. But I'll tell you what ruins this entire bit is, um, why did you have motherfucking Lit uh, playing during this moment? 
May, yeah. I do not understand this at all. Like such a uh, such a fun, rocking ass nostalgia trip. During a motherfucker going to the hospital having a heart attack. I don't understand that. It, it was strictly used in the trailer, and you thought it would have been used during like the times they're uh, they're reshooting Clerks, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think their use of that song in the trailer was a lot better than the use of the song in the movie. And there are millions of parts in the movie where the song would have worked better than over that scene. I, I don't understand it, other than, oh, we, we have rights to this song, we, we, we need to use it somewhere. It was a nice throwback, like, the nostalgia did hit me, but... Yeah, I love the shit out of those first two Lit albums. I mean, those, those albums rock. You said it, they're, they're, they're lit. Yeah, they are fucking lit, man. And don't let um, anyone tell you otherwise. So he goes to the hospital, and Amy Sedaris is there in a witch costume, and the dialogue is, like, almost beat for beat, minus the Dante stuff and the little dick stuff, maybe, um, ripped from Kevin Smith's heart attack story. And in a way, again, I'm kind of in... I'm enjoying this first half for the most part, because, let's be real, Clerks 2 wasn't really based on anything in Kevin Smith's life. Yeah. And that was kind of the whole... One of the charming things about Clerks 1 was he was writing what he knew. It was such a slice-of-life thing. So, in spirit, I do like that we're kind of going back to um, writing what he knows. But then again, it's kind of off-put by these tonally weird things where it's like you said, we just had, are we being serious or are we being funny? And for me, I think they should have just handled this whole movie more tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah. still could have had your cake and ate it, too, with the heart attack stuff. And if you really insisted on killing off Dante, maybe. But, like, for the most part, I just feel like, you know... If you wanted to see Dante it. die, flash forward 30 years, you know, and let the man just die of old fucking age. If you want to see Dante die, you should have went with that. Yeah. Let, let yeah. his kids run the store. He's a force ghost now. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. And then Kevin Smith jokes about that, that he says that, you know what, if desperate times call for desperate measures, we could have Clerks 4 with fucking Dante as a ghost. Oh my god, don't do it. Don't fucking do it, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so like, I think my main problem with, uh, in fact, I don't, it doesn't bother me all that much, but I do feel, uh, I do get your idea of, yeah, he's writing what he knows, he's writing uh, actual events, you know, which is fine. But, I think maybe I'm a little, oh yeah, he's doing the heart attack bit. Maybe, it, is, it, does get, it does get draining. Yeah, because, because it's like, this man has been telling this story for, what, four years now? Uh, even addresses it in the movie. Yeah, even to make, even to the point where you know he's making fun of himself, talking about the heart attack all the time in reboot. Um, and here, because because Dante goes to Randall. Oh, you had a heart attack. You mentioned it like seventy thousand times. So yeah. like, Kevin is fully aware. But then it's like, well, then why? Why do it? Maybe he and he's at the point now where he's like, this thing's been rewritten a million fucking times, we just gotta get it done, you know? Yeah, but he also does have Randall say it over and over, uh, just being a selfish prick. 
Um, my God. But yeah, well, I don't... They set, up, they set up this whole death thing when Amy Sedaris looks at Dante and is like, oh, you better, you better uh, check yourself as well. Um, and again, it's like just... Uh, it, it's like pick one or the other. Everything with the Becky stuff seems like the plot is Dante needs to get his shit together and move on with his life and not be so sad. Yeah. And, you know, and but, yeah. But, but gives up. Like, Becky should have been like, fuck you. Like, she's she's happy when he's like, nah, let's get out of here. It's a theater at the end. Meanwhile, the whole time, she's been trying to pick him up by his bootstraps. Yeah, man. Just wait till we get there, man. So... Yeah. Sorry, I'm jumping the gun, but it is, like I said, the word of the day is baffling. Yeah. Baffling, definitely. So, Amy Sedaris, who is she? What has she been in? She was in Elf. She had her own show recently, and there's a reason why they keep making the Mandalorian jokes, is she's on that show. Really great comedic actress, and she does a really good job. Just why the witch costume? Yeah, it makes no sense at all. No point at all. Uh, but... And so he gets wheeled in, and this is where we get, if you missed a, uh, Becky's dead-ass face on the cash register, this is going to be your big reveal that this bitch is dead. And dead right at the end of Clerks, because he's wearing, yeah. his, well, it's the same sweater from Clerks 1 as well, but he's wearing the Dante sweater. To yeah. To imply that he's younger because they can't de-age him, you know? Yeah, and she's being wheeled in there with a pregnant-ass stomach. <laughs> God damn. I'm just like, God damn, y'all. Um, and so they get serious for a bit. And this universe is dealt with, like, gods and angels coming down and, like, end-of-the-world shit, but, it, but it's never felt like this dour, you know what I mean, or this down. Yeah, this um, real... Like, he always, again, had a tongue-in-cheek uh, uh, quality about it, where here he's just going for the throat, and perhaps he feels like he's earned it because there's been so much time with these characters. I mean, I will again. say it, dude. It takes some massive fucking balls uh, to do... to make both of these decisions, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and whether he pulled it off or not, to me, I don't think he pulled it off, but I still gotta, I still gotta give the man uh, props for having the balls to fucking do this. Yeah, there is, there is some level of kudos to it, um, even if it's ill-advised. Yeah, <laughs> like, really, bro? <laughs> I mean, fuck. So... Yeah, he has this whole flashback scene in the hospital, um... And you're right, it's kind of struggling whether it wants to be a Dante or a Randall movie, and if they had at least kept the daughter alive, Dante could have still been the ho-hum type character, just kind of brought up to like an Obi-Wan Kenobi type role, if we're doing Star Wars references again. He could have been like almost, he's like, yeah, Becky died, but I still have my daughter, there are things to, uh, there are things to be happy about. Randall, it's you who needs to finally get your shit together. Because the last two movies was Dante getting his shit together. Yeah. It, Randall never really changed. And that's what made this movie unique in my eyes was we, despite acting like a self-centered dick, like sometimes 
you need to be a self-centered dick to grow and change because uh, it's fucking scary and, uh, you know, you kind of fight back against it when it's happening. So there, there's ways it could have worked where this could have been a character study of Randall. Um, and it seems like, again, even in the previous um, drafts, that was the struggle. Like, are we going to make this a movie where Dante dies in a shooting? Or is this going to be a movie about Randall except, like, coming to terms with the fact that he's done nothing with his life when all his shit gets washed away in the hurricane, you know? And that still could have been funny. I could have seen that even before Hurricane Sandy as, like, a plot in the animated series. Randall loses all his movies and action figures, and he becomes, like, a homeless, crazy bum. Like, that could still be funny. But I have no idea, like, really what why we couldn't just go with one or the other. We're left with this weird mishmash of this is Dante and Randall's story, but we're not really going to necessarily focus in on either or. Yeah, so after this we do get some uh, really great Elias uh, scenes. He starts crying that it's his fault because he had asked Jesus to smite Randall uh, during their back and forth earlier, and that's when Randall has the heart attack, and yeah. um, so he believes it's his fault, which is pretty funny. So he starts asking Jesus to save him. Then he fucking straight up, you know what? I'm done with Jesus. I'm gonna start worshiping Satan, and it gets it gets pretty over the top, but uh, it's pretty damn funny, man. Where he's like. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a virgin, and, I, and so I know Satan's really going to want me. He's like, want you for what? Evil, and probably butt <laughs> sex. <laughs> Do you have any lube? No, I don't deserve any lube. <laughs> and then, like, his pants are down. He's like, no, leave me alone. I have to fuck Satan. Right there in front of everybody. Like, it's way over the top, but uh, it, it makes me fucking crack up. <laughs> The, the way he delivers his lines, it's like Elias and Tom Lennon could play brothers in, in like, a future project. He has, <laughs> like, those eyes and that kind of, like, erratic delivery that I really love. And I also like, before he starts freaking out and denouncing God, um, Dante gets a little throwaway line where he's like, uh, I think Jesus was more of a Wawa guy. Yeah. And, uh, I got to appreciate the Wawa shout-out. And uh, we get the butt thieves. uh <laughs> We get the butt thieves running joke again, um, <laughs> which I think works a little better. Like that, that belongs in Clerks. Butt thieves is uh, is a win in my book. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think this is my favorite bit with the running joke because he says it and there's like no interruption, uh, but you see Dante's reaction like butt thieves, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, yeah, his little reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas like. Randall, you know, when they first met, he's like, what the fuck is a butt thief? Uh, you know, I think this one, I think this version of the joke is the better of uh, all of them. Yeah, I feel you. But then, yeah, we and go so back, huh? they're getting his surgery, and they're talking about the Mandalorian, and, like, where I felt like the NFT talk dates the movie, like, this at least is something, a conversation I would want to see in a 2022 or 2023 Clerks movie. Um, talking about the new Star Wars shit, I dig it. Especially he's trying to distract himself from having the heart attack. And there's the meta-ness of 
fucking Amy Sedaris is in the Mandalorian. So and yeah, see, you know, I the I have not seen any of this new Star Wars shit uh, except for The Force Awakens. So, like, all of that shit is just lost on me. I'm like, okay, Dante watches the same Star Wars show that everybody loves, so, alright. Yeah, yeah, like, Randall's referencing The Last Jedi and stuff like that. He basically, in the surgery, is recounting, like, the last episode of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Um, and then they, they, they put the thing up his groin, because... Well, you gotta look, you gotta mention the, uh... Shave and a haircut in two bits. <laughs> That's right. We got fucking Justin Long back at it again as a new character. Yeah, which I think is a pretty good little scene. Uh, just an odd, weird character, man. <laughs> He's like, right, you want some more privacy? He moves it like an inch. There, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he barely fucking shuts the curtain anymore. Uh, I think that whole scene is good. And then the whole, hey man, will you uh, you know, cover your ears and sing a song? He's telling him, I got a, sh- I got a really small dick, but I've been telling him that it's been huge since we were like twelve, which uh, you know that's perfect, Randall. Uh, I, I do like that uh, scene as well. Which the doctor just outs after surgery anyway, which I love. But he's so fucked up on fentanyl, he's just like, oh, that's that's great. Yeah, like the best news I heard all day. Um. So yeah, so what does sort of annoy me too is the uh, while she's uh, getting ready to uh, you know open the stint, uh, she's just getting all these fucking I don't know if this is supposed to be a joke or what, but she's just getting all her uh, comic book references fucking fucked up and and being silly and stupid with it, and I don't know if. You know, because the story Kevin always tells, it sounded like the Doctor knew his shit when it came to comic book stuff. Uh, and to make <clears throat> this Doctor just get shit wrong, uh, it just kind of feels like a disservice to the actual Doctor she's based off of. Yeah, and also the fact that um, it kind of sounds like she's just like talking down to Randall the whole time about this comic book shit, where... It, yeah, like you said, the way Kevin tells the story is, like, the doctor was just putting it in terms Kevin could understand. He wasn't, like, talking down to him. He was just calming him down. Yeah. Amy Sedaris is, like, talking to Randall like he's a fucking dog. Yeah. And then, I, I've seen this movie twice and still don't know what the fuck that tattoo is on his leg. Yeah, I noticed it today, and I really was fascinated by it because I didn't notice it the first time around and it has to be just some tattoo Jeff Anderson has, right? There's no way that was like an intentional, I don't think it's meant to be a joke. Yeah, it looks like one of them shitty Friday the 13th deals, you know fucking yeah, get I a tattoo for $13 I thought I saw Jason, which makes sense because he is I guess Jason's like a Jersey character I, I wonder if that's, like, the relation. I have no idea what that tattoo was, but it looks... It looks I assume it's supposed to be comic book characters because that's what she goes off of. She goes, I can tell by your tattoo you are a comic book fan. And so you're yeah. going to really like what I have to say. And so I still, I've seen this movie twice and I don't, I, I, I don't know what the fuck this tattoo is supposed to be. Maybe it's like a Mount Rushmore of, I don't know. No. That's what it looked like. It looked like a Mount Rushmore of heads. It could possibly be like U.S. Universe fictional superheroes. Like it could be a Ranger Danger, but I don't know. 
I'm wondering again if it really is uh, a real tattoo that he just worked in there. But I don't also know how Kevin Smith, how many times he's seen uh, Jeff Anderson's legs like that to write that into a script. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I don't know the. This and then uh, the uh, so you know she opens the stint and uh, it's all good you know and it plays that Degrassi song yeah and, and that's that, what Kevin Smith was actually singing like in the real story so I liked that little touch it, it was timed pretty perfectly like right as he could breathe again so again this whole first half with the heart attack. I know, like you said, a lot of people were like, oh, he's going back to the heart attack again. But so far, um, rocky, but it's working for me, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to me, the movie is all fun and games, and I'm here for it until we go but, back to movies. Yeah, it's all fun and games till it's not, till somebody <laughs> dies in a drunk driving. <laughs> but, uh, so, so what happens next? Uh, He's talking to um, Dante in the room, and this I actually like for an emotional Randall moment, where we kind of in Clerks too. he had his little teary-eyed moment, but it was nothing too crazy. But it was big for Randall. Here now, he was actually confronted with death, and it is a genuine Randall reaction, I feel like, because he watched movies all his life and critiqued them. He's like, I watched the movie of my life, and it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the dialogue here was a little bit more natural until he started, uh, I'm gonna make a movie! Yeah, jumps out of the goddamn bed. But I, here's a, here's a little thing where, uh, I like how Randall, uh, uh, Dante tells him, um, you know, you've watched, you know so much about these movies, I always figured you, you could make a pretty good movie. And so Dante gives Randall the idea, but instantly... Dante's driving Randall home and then starts saying shit like, you don't, you, don't you gotta go to film school? You don't know nothing about making movies. It's like, motherfucker, two seconds ago you just told him he knew a lot about movies and you thought he would make a cool movie. Why are you backing out now? Yeah, why why are you contradicting yourself fixed. now? It could have been easily fixed with like a line or two where... Um, Dante could be like, oh, I was just saying that. Like, I was just trying to lift your spirits. Because the doctor did say that. Like, try to say stuff that will keep him happy. That could have been the through line where he's like, oh, well, like... And during the big freakout, he could have been like, I didn't fucking mean it. You know what I mean? Yeah, or or it could have been, instead of him saying shit like that, he could have said, we don't have a camera. How are we going to make this movie? We don't We don't have this. We don't have that. He could be the naysayer, which also would have been funny because he's also supposed to be the producer. Yeah. So he's supposed to be... Randall's like, you're the one who's supposed to be getting that, basically. Yeah. So, I'm going to pause it right here. I'm going to smoke a cigarette and refill my coffee. And where did we leave off? Right when Dante is driving Randall home. And <laughs> we get that little exchange. So, what's happening next? Um, Y'all animals, chill out. <laughs> you made a good point that before that he brought up the idea and is immediately out the moment Randall actually takes it up, um, which could have been fixed with a rewrite. Um, 
he immediately jumps to what they're going to do for the movie, what it's going to be about, and they're in the convenience store, um, basically putting the idea together, am I right? Yeah, is this where, um, he's just kind of just talking about, <laughs> I don't know. What could be a scene, what won't be a scene, and it's also just kind of a way for Kevin Smith to throw in callbacks to the last two movies, because there's, um... Oh, you remember when you burnt down the quick stop? Are you going to put that in the movie? And he's uh, like, oh, yeah. still convinced that was terrorists. Yeah, there, <clears throat> there's that. Just kind of a lot of throwaway kind of shit. And I want to say Elias and, uh, was it Black Chain or whatever the fuck that kid's name is? <laughs> Blockchain Coltrane or some shit. Something or other. That's what I'm going to call them. <laughs> so they walk in and uh, we get the first of several uh, Elias going goth phases. Um, which is like, it's like, really? But then I'm here for it because the kid clearly doesn't know what he's doing, so he believes that this is how Satanists dress because this is what Christianity has told him Satanists look like. So that is kind of funny. That that has evolved gradually. Where like when I first saw the trailer, I was almost afraid that was going to be like his look throughout the whole movie. You know what I mean? But I like how again it's a successful running gag where. It builds, and it does get more ridiculous. You look at him every time, and exactly like you said, you're like, really, dude? But it's in an enjoyable way rather than yeah. uh, more of the other choices that we've uh, we've talked about. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we get this bit where, you know, they're asking, they're talking about the movie, and uh, they mention, yeah, it's going to be about our lives here working at the Quick Stop. And then Elias says, whoa, that's pretty meta. And... Um, <laughs> When that was shown in the trailer, I had no idea that was Elias. Yeah, I had to take a moment because there's been so many years in between the movies and appearances change a lot. Um, what I do like about this scene, though, is uh, we get some more of the clerk Star Wars talk, but yeah. I do like the, uh, the You're the Dak. Yeah. That actually did get a pretty good uh, laugh out of me, despite the fact that Family Guy did something similar a couple years back. But when it comes to Star Wars, you can't really be like, oh, this guy like owns the, the gamut on Star Wars humor. But yeah. that was really good. He's not even the fucking Lobot. Yeah. And the, uh, the rat calling J.S. Bob the C-3PO and R2-D2 is pretty perfect. Yeah, how they weren't cool like, since uh, the first movie, but people love them so much that you gotta give them cameos and put them on the lunchbox. Yeah, that's on point. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty that's good amazing. little gag. But I think is this where does Dante leave and go to the cemetery? Well, she also says this is a dream. So wherever the fuck this happens in in the timeline. Who knows? Yeah, right afterwards, it just cuts. Maybe he leaves work, but yeah, the cemetery scene is next. And have you noticed that we haven't really been talking about Jay and Silent Bob that much? They've mainly just been absent over at the uh, their THC store, <laughs> their, their dispensary. Which uh, is totally fine, because like, 
what I like is that, you know, the movie's not about Jay and Silent Bob, and I like that their presence is there, but they don't play a bigger role until the movie gets rolling. And it's almost probably the most understated they've been since Clerks 1, which was kind of surprising. But after Reboot, it is um, very fitting that, again, they didn't go to space. There's not some big side um, Jay and Silent Bob plot. Um, they're, they're back to basics. And most of the Jay News scenes I, I really do enjoy. Um, we'll get to one uh, once Randall starts writing the movie. But, yeah, you're right in the fact that um, uh, they basically revert back to their C-3PO and R2-D2 status, which is very welcome. Um, but, yeah, they're not really touched upon. It really is focusing back in on the two clerks. Yeah, it's uh, like we know they're there, but they they don't have any kind of... You know, their role in the story is coming, um, but they don't need to be there for any of this stuff. And I definitely like that, but it, this is mostly me just, like, trying to dance around the fact that we got to talk about this cemetery scene. Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't... It's a dream, but he's really there. It's almost like he falls asleep. Uh, so, he goes to the goddamn cemetery. It's all fun and games. And me, as I'm first watching this, uh, I'm just like, why is she dead? Her name is in the fucking credits. She better not be a fucking ghost. Straight up, Ghost Becky shows up. Uh, and, and shit, and is telling Dante, you know, she's being all cool and shit. She's telling Dante, you know, fucking move on, man. You've been mourning, we've known each other for 15 minutes, and you've been mourning me for 15 years, which is like, Pretty fucked up, uh, but she wants the motherfucker to move on and live his fucking life, uh, you know, and then she proceeds to tell him about all the fucking hardcore sex she's having with celebrities up in heaven, uh, yeah. which is cool, like, he's cool with it, you know, you know, it's like a back and forth joke, really feels like, you know, the way they would talk with each other, uh, in Clerks too. That's what I was about to say, is and it is what makes it frustrating that um, she wasn't implemented into the plot more wisely, is she fits right back into the role. Yeah. Like, if no time ever passed. And let's be real, with the way Rosario Dawson looks, it doesn't like it doesn't look like any time has passed. Yeah, she damn sure um, has not aged. Um and they even make reference to that that Dante's like, I'm an old man now, like, what, what would you even want to do with me if you, if you were here? There's no point in living without you, yada, yada, yada. But his, this scene, the, the best thing about this scene is the actual really good fucking dramatic, uh, dramatic acting from, uh, from Brian. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, it's, damn, this motherfucker's like really throwing on the damn feelings here. And, uh, I mean, this is probably the most serious, uh, sort of acting I've seen in a Kevin Smith movie, probably since, uh, some of the more serious bits on, um, what is it, uh, Chasing Amy. Yeah, um, really bringing out that theater background in him, which <laughs> I do kind of enjoy. I feel like this scene is where the crying is, uh, at its most awkward. I genuinely like 
the, the blowout at the end. I think that was a really good performance from Brian. Um, and like I said, I just appreciate that he, that he's going with it, that he's taking a swing at it. Yeah. Uh, the scene itself, though, just feels just feels odd. Yeah, it's it's shit. It's straight shit. <laughs> uh, fucking good scene shit. It couldn't. It couldn't just be, you know, him and her are divorced, and she shows up. To, he's not over the divorce, you know, and and maybe he calls her. She shows up to tell him, "Look, man, fucking get over it." Da da da. This happened. People move on. But nah, it's got to be a fucking ghost, goddamn, at a graveyard. Becky could have almost replaced Emma, and that way you could excuse her. Well, no, it still would have sucked if Becky was the one over the phone. But with the whole excuse that Rosario Dawson is hard to get, um, you know, it's a miracle that we got her for as much as we did. Um, she could have really filled in that role, and we could have had Dante in that place where it's like he's ho-hum over a problem that he's kind of uh, keeping himself in, that it's like he still gets to see his daughter and stuff like that in this little rewrite that we've done today. You know what I mean? Yeah. It still feels like something that, um, for lack of a better term, belongs in Clerks. Uh, there are some moments in this movie where it just feels like it's it's going to a different movie. Which, again, I'm not saying Kevin Smith can't do that, but it's like, when does this stop being Clerks? I think is a question a lot of the fans are asking. And so, what what trips me out is the fact that it seems for a moment like he has uh, taken her advice. Ghost Becky has sort of, you know, given him a kick in the ass that he needs. So he says, fuck it, I'm going to take a chance, we're going to make this movie, and he posts the big old flyer on the door and brings everybody's spirits up, like, yeah, we're going to make the movie, he's going to be the producer, we're going to do a casting call for and do some auditions. And so he, that could have been it right there. And it would yeah. have been okay. I'd be like, whatever, man, if you're going to go this route and, and give us a ghost Becky, whatever, you know. She did what she needed to do right there, was get him out of that funk, and then he could start just fucking, you know, living again. And, uh, yeah, and it would just be him being worn down by Randall, and we could really dig into, again, this is the fulcrum of that relationship, which, again, still feels like clerks, um, where, again, we between Dante and Randall, it's two diverging paths that, I guess, in Kevin's mind, like, by the end of the hospital, they come back together, but, yeah, it, I, I just feel like there would be more efficient ways to connect those dots, you know? Yeah. Way um, more efficient way. Where where were we in the plot? So there you're right, he kind of is um his spirits are lifted more after that scene at the cemetery and he starts um financing Ranch, uh, Randall's movie. But isn't this where we get like now the plethora of cameos? Like isn't this where we get to the No, cuz he has to write it first. Oh my God! This is where we get the thirty-seven references. Well, this, this is where uh, I, I thought that all that happened before he went to the graveyard. When the when, I thought he had the script written uh, when they start going through all the Star Wars references, 
<laughs> he's like, I'm not even the main character in the in my movie. No, it's my movie. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, because I there's so many shots where it's just there's so many scenes where it's just a medium shot behind the counter that I, I think I just blended the two together. Yeah, yeah I, you know that's uh, up with the ideas. That's and the thing that I've had every time we've done a Clerks movie on this podcast. It's always like quick little scenes, uh, you know, and I get them jumbled up. Yeah, and, exactly. It's like the cinematography doesn't help yeah. um, in that case. Yeah, I think they come up with the ideas. He goes off to the cemetery, and then Randall starts writing it, and that's where we get the scene uh, with the 37, because he's in the middle of writing it. The Star Wars stuff comes when the script is done. But that scene is great. One of the best Jason News fucking line deliveries. Shut the fuck up, it's nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up, it's nighttime. That is pretty funny. Um, he's like, you better not put that in the movie. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we get this, like you said, a plethora of cameos. Uh, and this, this bit of the movie is, uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun, great bit, but it's also, Man, the movie shuts the fuck down at this point. This is where it becomes like a Jimmy Kimmel sketch, or like, it reminds me of Reboot again, where I felt like we had already done this. This is what the Jay and Silent Bob movies are for, is the wacky cameos and going a little bit more Hollywood. Again, I liked how scaled down the first couple of minutes of this movie were, um, which kind of made the more amplified drama... um, more digestible for me because it's like well you know you give and take but here now it's like all take and um i know that kevin smith is trying to give it his all so that's that's all well and good but yeah we don't need uh we don't need ben affleck again doing a robert de niro (laughs) yeah like it's all fun and games i think the best part of this whole uh, audition bit is Ethan Supley coming back <clears throat> as, uh, yeah. God, what was his character's name? Well, now, this is where your mind's going to get blown, is he plays Willem Black, who is supposed to be fucking Snowball. Beautiful Man from, yeah, Snowball. But Snowball shows up, Scott Bozier, so... To say that was beautiful, man, it was so weird, dude. Well, I know Ethan Suplee is just playing Ethan Suplee in this one, but... Yeah, but he's saying his classic fucking line with the sailboat. He's not reading Randall's script. Huh? He's not reading Randall's script. Exactly. See, that's the thing. Randall was not there for that shit. Not at all. Like, in fact, isn't Mallrats like a day before Clerks? No, but what's going on with the whole Willow Black conspiracy? Like, why are there two, and they look so different, but... And then, this Willow Black is fucking jacked. Dude, I would love it if they're just brothers, and they're just both named Willem. Yeah. In, in fucking Leonardo, New Jersey, anything could happen. Because, like, think about it, right? Willem Black, <clears throat> on Clerks, fucking skinny, bearded dude, man. And then Willem Black on Mallrats. Huge. Huge fucking guy. Like, man-child. Fucking... 
Yeah. He's got stains all over his shirt and stuff like that. He's just been sitting there for days, just and, staring at that magic eye. And now, he is motherfucking ripped. You gotta love it though for for Ethan Subley, man. I remember several years ago, I, the 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 biggest I've ever seen that man was on um, uh, the Butterfly Effect, that movie. And yeah. he, dude, he looked like a fucking balloon, man. He seriously looked like he was about to be exploding. Say what? I said Jesus Christ, but it's true. And then he made a huge turnaround. Now he's ready to kick some ass. Yeah, he did. He started losing a lot of weight, man. You could see him drop the pounds on um, My Name is Earl. And in Clerks, too, you could already see, like, he significantly slimmed down by mm-hmm. bed. Then he shows up on, uh, is it Wilfred? That uh, Elijah um, Wood show with the dog? I believe so. Uh, I haven't watched it. Uh, that might need an IMDb search. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a good show, uh, but he shows up on there on a couple episodes, and they actually, I remember it took me a couple uh, couple scenes with him before I realized who he was, and then a couple years ago, boom, he pops up, the man is fucking ripped, man, so I'm happy the dude lost all that weight and then got ripped uh, afterward. It's a real success story, yeah. and um, I'm now thinking, though, and we might have talked about it on the Clerks 2 cast, like... Is he supposed to be fucking Willem Black in Clerks 2? Like, like, is he supposed to be the same Mallrats character? That I don't know. I never really think Kevin Smith uh, intends it like that, unless they straight up say the character's name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting to speculate about, and I do like that there's just two Willems running around. One likes to get snowballed, and the other just wants to see the fucking sailboat. Yeah. Please, um, God, why can't I see the sailboat? Who else is it? They have all the Impractical Jokers show up. We have Fred Armisen again. Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, and Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Uh, Who else was there? Danny Trejo. Uh, <clears throat> Ralph Garman. Of course, yeah. See, that I don't mind. Like, I don't mind Garman showing up. I, like, I just... Clerks feels like it should be a more in-house thing... And again, like, Clerks 2, to me, is what made it surprising was that it worked as a Hollywood movie with Rosario Dawson, with the cameos. Um, this was still when, like, Kevin Smith was riding high with Miramax. Um, I was impressed with the first half of this movie because this is, you know, him on his own. Uh, this and Reboot were, like, the first under Lionsgate um, so he's in new waters within, in terms of, like, studios and, you know, what he does. Um, but then Randall starts making his movie, and it, we kind of just go back into the old tricks. <clears throat> yeah, and think about this, too. In the Clerks universe, how bad does Freddie Prinze Jr. and Sir Michelle Geller's careers have to be in order for them to audition for some no-name motherfuckers movie in New Jersey that doesn't even have any sort of guaranteed paycheck for anybody, how bad does yeah. their careers have to be in the in the toilet? And that's the thing. They're they're it's cameos. The scene is entirely meant for the audience, but like you're you have to be under the impression that they're not playing themselves. 
And it, even though, but like, he straight up, he play. says, hey, all right, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And, you know, they give little, they wink at each other, like, yeah, we got Freddie Prince. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> and, but then even so, you have Ben Affleck, but Ben Affleck clearly says, you know, he's not Ben Affleck. He's, he is this Boston John character or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So that's fine. That makes sense. But no, this is... You motherfuckers are telling me this is the Freddie Prince. The only reason Sarah's there is because they're married. But now you're telling me this is the Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, man, he's falling on some hard <laughs> but then, times. But then we also get we also get the the lion face lemon face uh, gag as well. Uh, and the only reason he does it is because it's it's Ben Affleck. It's a reference to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But then at the same time, you know, it made Ben Affleck and Matt Damon look silly. But now it's like, okay, well, this isn't Ben Affleck. This is a Boston John character. So is this an actual uh, sort of get into, you know, character? Is this like a certain, is this like an actual exercise, like an actual actor exercise in this world? What, what is going on here? Yeah, and I really, uh, that's one of the references I do the most, is the lion face, lemon face, and here it just kind of felt forced, because again, they're literally looking into the camera and doing these references. Yeah, they're, and two things I meant to bring up earlier uh, that we are way past now, but the first moment we see Jay and Silent Bob is uh, when they are selling weed out of their weed shop, and I think it's funny that they are way over the top selling this weed to this guy, where he's like, he fake sneezes it into his hand and shit. Uh, yeah, that would And the funny thing about it is the fact that weed is legal in New Jersey, and they are legally selling weed out of this shop, but they are so used to being corner store drug dealers that they can only sell their own legal weed like that. Yeah, that's how they did it in the 90s, and that was one of the moments that got the most um, uproar in the theater. I, I love that moment. That's great. Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty fun. And then um, they do another uh, Born Identity gag with Jason Bourne um, early in the movie. The, the, the Born Nativity or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the Born Nativity. And I was like, okay, you know what? Y'all did a better Born Identity joke in Reboot. Uh, it was out of left field and out of nowhere and only there for Matt Damon. But to me it worked better and the joke was funnier in Reboot than it was in this. Yeah, but that was also kind of like a throwaway line as well. That was like right before I think he has the heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was way early in the movie. That that back and forth you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back to these cameos. Yeah, it goes on for a while. Uh, and it then gets stupid with like, we're going to sing this shit. And then, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're do dancing. Like, it, 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 man, the movie goes to a grinding halt at this point. It, it's filler. It's filler. <laughs> it, and it's a whole lot of filler. And it, it, it might only be two minutes, but it feels like ten. It feels like you're actually watching audition footage, but not in a way where you're immersed. You're just like, all right, like, next Move scene. on. Let's go. Cut. Um, and I think this is where, like, yeah, we do the pan back. Randall's wearing his old man glasses, uh, writing the script 
uh, no, reading the script, and Dante has uh, finished reading the script. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they have a little interaction where um, he at least thanks uh, Randall for cutting out some stuff. Yeah. He still left the 37 thing in there, obviously, because um, fucking uh, Marilyn Gigliotti comes back later yeah. on in the movie to complain about it. Yeah. Uh, Veronica, yeah. that's the character's name. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so funny, uh, well, I guess not really funny, but, you know, we have all these references to characters, but there's no mention of Caitlin Bree. And, uh... Ain't that weird? Like, I think she might have, like, a, in memory of in the credits somewhere, but aside from that, uh... There, yeah, there's no mention of her. There's no even throw-out line of, like, oh, maybe you can mention that in the movie. Um, which I guess is probably the most tasteful thing to do. Like, Well, they mentioned, you know, hey, what if remember that time that dude was jacking it in the bathroom and he died and your ex-girlfriend? Uh, or does he even mention the fact that the ex-girlfriend fucked the dead body? I, I don't think, think they that... mention it, but it's like you said, they just say it like that. They don't say the name Caitlin Bree. Um, and in the movie already so packed full of drama, like, I just, it probably was best just to, to not mention it, but it is odd that um, it's not focused on. And so I guess this... that is such a clerk's one thing at that point. The last time we see Caitlin Bree, if you count the, the, the animated series, yeah. is like she has a voice role in that. I do like that some of the gags in this movie harken more back to the silliness of the animated series, um, and we'll get more into that later, but yeah, in terms of the Caitlin Bree stuff, um, it's, it's basically nowhere to be found. And so, is this the point where he mentions, you know what, screw the fake names, we're all just, Randall's gonna play Randall, Dante's gonna be, play Dante, is this where we're at now? Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob are going to play Jay and Silent Bob. And what I like about the scene earlier, though, is that was a pretty funny line, too, that maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. That is the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like the in-jokes on Jay and Silent Bob. And they've been doing that since uh, Strikes Back um, with uh, how they could never be in a movie. And... <clears throat> So. Is this where they get um, assigned uh, Shooter Bob? Yeah, Shooter Bob, and he's the he's the director of photography, and I think this is pretty good, man, because he he walks around. They're talking about how shitty and how not a good idea it is, and he's like, he comes back. He's like, look, man, I've done looked around this whole store, and the colors are awful. <clears throat> we're we're just gonna shoot the whole thing in black and white. He's like, what Schindler's List, black and white? Hell no. And he goes into this shit about, you know, this pretentiousness about how, yeah, you know, it's supposed to show the dire, uh, you know, how shitty it is to work in a convenience store. And then it could also be like you're peeking in on the surveillance camera, da-da-da-da-da. I thought of that shit. It was funny as fuck, man. And, then he, and he, when he gives him the suggestion, he finally just says, but we're shooting it in black and white, motherfucker. <laughs> We're not shooting it at all. And yeah. I like how in this moment, um, where Jay and Silent, uh, where uh, Silent Bob is speaking, Jay, the roles get reversed again. Jay kind of becomes the silent one, making all the mannerisms, the hand motions, 
Yeah. Um, it's a great bit. Um, yeah, no, I really like that part of it. I like the fact that there's a meta-ness to Kevin Smith is literally shooting this movie. Yeah. And then, too, I love I love Jay's overacting um, with the... Uh, God, what does he say, dude? It's like... You are a rude motherfucker. <laughs> that shit's so fucking funny. But I love it when... This is probably one of the better moments of them filming Clerks. Is when Jay cannot get the fucking line right about there's a lot of fine-ass women out there, da-da-da-da-da. And then Bob loses his shit and says, look, I'll fucking do it. And he does it. And because in the original, you know, it's it's Bob that says all that, right? Yeah. So that's probably one of the better moments of them filming Clerks, because that's like, a, oh, that's why he's he he says that part. That that's that is a nice little moment to me. Yeah, that's definitely a story that he's told in the past, but it's fun to uh, to see it actually play out. And I mentioned this on the uh, reboot podcast because in that movie Kevin Smith plays himself and he's playing it the way he uh, he does it nowadays, really amped up really um, uh, I guess stoned and happy yeah um, fucking, I like how he could just turn on his older self in an instant um, it was pointed out on a Red Cow Entertainment's review of Clerks 3 where it almost makes you wonder like just how self-aware uh, Kevin really is, because he goes right back to that quiet artist head. You know, there's a lot of fine-looking women in the world, man. That's how Kevin used to talk, like, all the time in yeah. interview footage and the evenings with, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then sometime after Clerks 2 and hanging out with Seth Rogen and Zach Neary, um, he just came out like a total fucking... Um, Totally. Hey, what's everybody? Everybody, it's Kevin. Your first Kevin Smith right here, man. We're gonna we're talk about this. We're gonna talk about it. It's like it's like there's before podcast Kevin Smith and after podcast Kevin Smith. Yeah, because if you listen to those really early Smodcasts, he's still a little bit of that quiet cat. Listen, everybody, we're at the Smodcast, but you hear him lighting up that joint, and then that Smodcast keeps going and going and going. Now we're making up movies with people in walrus suits. <laughs> hey, we're going to fucking do yoga hosers next. Uh, moose jaws, why not? Um, yeah. But, it, is a, uh, it is a really, it's a really um, amazing revolu- uh, uh, evolution when you see it all play out. But at the same time, he's attached that personality so much to his brand that that's basically what I think about now is like, how much does he actually play it up? Um, and how much of it really is is him because he can go back and forth on it. I kind of feel like in the '90s and early 2000s, that whole quiet Kevin Smith, you know, what's up, man? Like that was his artist phase. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like like he's making these movies for himself now, man. And he's just uh, he's free. He's free to be his wacky self. Yeah. Hell yeah. So where are we at now? Um, God damn it. So they got the shooter Bob going. Um, okay. I think this is where the next part of it sends Dante as producer. They're like, we got the, the cinematographer. Um, 
how much money are we going to need to shoot this? Is this where he FaceTimes Emma? Yeah, this is where he gets Emma on the FaceTime, which is another weird choice to me. Is like, why is he FaceTiming her? Uh, when it's obvious, so so Jennifer could can be in the scene, but doing like a normal phone scene, you know, show Dante on the phone, cut to her on the phone. I don't understand why we need the FaceTime bit. Yeah, it just looks silly, especially because the FaceTime is a special effect shot anyway, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it does not look natural. And he's just sitting there with his arm hanging out. Um, and also, why does he expect Emma to even, like, he, he does this whole thing where it's like, we told each other we would always uh, be there to help each other. Like, I know he's desperate, but again, this could have been really uh, well done if it was Becky. Yeah, and I do like the fact that she's like, fuck no, you know, that was all before you fucking cheated on me. Which is cool, you know, because he did. You know, which is a big thing I praised about uh, Clerks too was how she really was a nice person and wanted the best for him. And, uh, and she was never really a bitch where any other movie like this, they would write her off as a bitch just so you don't care that he cheated on her. But nah, like, he straight up cheated on her and got what he deserved uh, and, and she's moving on to something better uh, and what's weird is that this movie in a weird way I don't think it was Kevin's intention but because she's in the way of financing the movie uh, they kind of play her up to be more of a bitch now but it's like I can't really see her that way like she's the she's the voice of reason in all this really <laughs> yeah and then you know they don't really they just, they do nothing with it, because the moment he borrows the money from her, it's never mentioned again. Until the end. Yeah, until, until the, the end. end. And then and it's, it's resolved in 30 seconds. Another thing, too, is we see kind of like the effect Dante has on people when they get close to him like that. It's like, she's kind of, she is, I, I know it's been many years since Clerks too, but She's a completely different person at this point. She's bitter. She's yeah. angry. She doesn't want to deal with any of this shit. There's no yeah. mention if she actually got remarried or anything like that. Yeah, she's just by a pool. You just assume yeah. she's having a decent life because she has a pool. You know they probably shot that in, like, Kevin's backyard, but they're, like, it'll double for Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, uh... But, uh, so is this the moment where... Because they mentioned, yeah, you know, we're all going to play ourselves, da-da-da-da-da. So is this the moment where uh, Veronica shows back up pissed off that they put the 37-bit in the uh, script? Yeah, she wanders in, audience applauses. It's like, it is good to see her again. And this is where, again, the, the tonal jerking just keeps going back and forth. Because it's like, this could be a really funny scene. She comes right back into the Veronica character, like, perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but then it takes a major turn where she's like, I, un unlike you guys, I have my own family. Yeah, And boom! they get all glum, everything gets sad. Yeah, it's in the heart. Ryan runs off, and Dante feels the need to go after her. Which, uh, I, the, I thought the movie was going to redeem itself. Uh, and, and I... This is what I was going to say right here. All right. She comes in there, says she's pissed off, da 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 da, da initially. He runs out there, and he's apologizing. What should have happened here? 
was if we're going to have dead-ass fucking Becky, ghost Becky telling him to move on and turn to fucking Paige, this could have brought the series full fucking circle, dude, because this was his original girlfriend from the first fucking movie who, who basically dumped his ass because he couldn't fucking move on or turn the page because he didn't know if he wanted Caitlyn Bree or her, and she, she was smart enough to say, fuck you, I'm moving on. This could have brought shit full fucking circle where he's finally grown the fuck up, she's grown up a little bit, and they make amends, and, and they probably just get together, you know? And, and it ends that way. They could have done a lot. They brought... They, this character has never been mentioned in the series since the first fucking movie. And they bring her back just to, just to film her scenes and, 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 and fuck Dante. Which is out of nowhere, and again, it's it doesn't commit to one tone. It's like if we're gonna do the tear jerky scene, like you said, yeah, this will be the character development moment. We could, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like rekindle that relationship. Yeah. Um, I thought that's where they were going, have, but no. Have Marilyn Gigliotti be in the movie at all? It's like you could give the character more than just a cameo role. But again, it doesn't want to choose whether it wants to be fully dramatic or fully funny, so you'll have funny, 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 dramatic, and then even in the dramatic scenes, it'll be cut off by, so you want to fuck, and then it's like, whoa, whoa. But, like, even so, this scene also has the best um, reference and return of the 37 joke ever, with the whole, you don't look a day over 37. That, that was too fucking perfect. Yeah. Um, See, that's well done. Too fucking perfect of a moment where they take something that was basically demeaning towards her and, and basically make it a positive and a joke and an in-joke between these two characters who were pretty intimate together and the fact that he is the character who was uncomfortable with the whole 37 shit to begin with. This could have shown that he has grown up and gotten over that shit. Yeah. But instead, they break it up with, you want to fuck, and then they fuck, and then everybody walks outside to watch him fuck in the car, and it's like, yeah, Dante got laid, the end. It goes back to being juvenile. Yeah, I was like, damn, man, like, there are, there are moments where it's like, ah, oh, dude, if you could have, you could have really made the perfect movie here, and then he fucks it up, left and they, right. The, the callbacks could have been really tasteful, but then there's stuff like... Like, we're going to say click Commander because you know what that is. You yeah, know that which is, there's no problem with her wanting to fuck either. Which, that's totally cool. That could have been the icebreaker right there. Fuck it, and boom, you know, let's try this again. Let's try this again. I'll be, I'll, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, no problem with breaking it up with the you want to fuck. It's like, damn, you think that's where this is going, but no. Yeah, it's like they fuck and, and then what? You know what I mean? Exactly. She I, decides I to be in the movie? I don't know if there's a throwaway line again that she mentions maybe... Yeah, she says she has a family, so... But she may also throws down the fact that she's divorced. Yeah, so there you go. It's like there really is no stopping this at this point. They both have a chance to... to they both have a second chance. Like, exactly. There's really no point why they could have done with that. So you still could have had them fuck in the car, but then like you could have said, had 
her be like, so I'll see you again next week or something like that, set up a date. Yeah, because, like, none of them is cheating on nobody, you know? She basically mentions that she's divorced because he's putting the daughter's car on his insurance and that the daughter's mad at her. Like, there's some real serious shit going on in her life. You know, the book could have been a really romantic moment. Yeah, the both of them could could have used each other to to you know help you know mend some shit. And if you want to keep this whole ghost Becky thing going on, you can even do the whole Star Wars thing where it's like at the end she's fucking she's happy for Dante. She like, she shows up and it's that silent nod of approval. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, so. If we're going to commit to Ghost Becky, have her be fucking like Anakin at the end of Return of the Jedi. She's proud. She's <laughs> moved on. <laughs> it would have made more fucking sense. No, but Dante just gives up and fucking dies. <laughs> what a bitch. What a bitch-ass death, man. God damn it, Dante. Um. Uh, no, and see, that's the thing. It's like, unless you're in on the Kevin Smith heart attack thing... Um, or you know somebody, or your family is, like, known for, like, heart issues. It's like, I can't see how this drama really sells, you know what I mean? Unless you're, like, really close to the issue, um, it just kind of seems like it's there. Again, the Randall heart attack worked, but it's like, the fact that we're all just building up to Dante collapsing, uh, it, it's a bummer. And not, and not it's very... Un it's unnecessarily mean-spirited. Yeah. To a character who for two movies has been shit on and then finally gets his happy ending just to shit on it again for the... the basically, in this whole series, this man is only happy for ten minutes. Yeah. Fifteen minutes, according to Becky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that's kind of the whole problem with killing off Dante in the first place. That's what, now Kevin Smith's in this place where people don't really, um, question his authority. Yeah, somebody should have said, dude, are you serious? Because they, when they start showing, you know, they, they start, you know, at this point they start filming scenes, filming scenes, and you get the whole original Clerks ending where the guy pulls the gun out and uh, he's like, what, are you going to kill me? Uh, he's like, well, the movie needs some action. And, you know, that's the original ending where, you know, of the first Clerks, Dante gets shot, and people straight up told Kevin, look, that's not going to work. This movie is something special. If you end it like this, it's not going to be the big hit that it's going to be. And I always believed that if they did keep that original ending, with it being such a, you know, uh, a fun and games kind of movie to end it on such a down note, just out of nowhere like that, uh, it would have not been had the cult following that it does today. And Kevin yeah, Smith I, might I, not be where he is today, but it's like, damn. So now you're going to wait 30 years and then do it again, but nobody, everybody's there just sucking his dick. So you know, man, this is great. I, this is the greatest thing ever. Da -da 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 -da. Nah, man. This man mishandled the shit out of out of a lot of this movie. And um, they technically spoiled it in the trailer because, again, if you didn't already have a feeling that Dante was going to die, they have they used the bit from that gag. What? You're going to kill me off in this? And see, in the trailer, I thought that was an in-joke to people that knew the original ending, the clerks. I thought that was a wink at the audience. 
Yep, which, and that's what they intended to do. They did the little bait and switch. That's all that um, needed to be, but no, man. And they want to they want to say this is foreshadowing the 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 bit with the hey you're you're the same age as him and you had the same diet you might need to get your heart checked and then with this people people want to say that this is foreshadowing and I'm like if it is it is bad foreshadowing it is intended to be foreshadowing I'm almost certain of that but yeah it's a throwaway line and then again Dante doesn't really listen to it he goes he he just thinks she's being judgy. Um, I might have mentioned it on the, the first Clerks episode all the way back three years ago, um, but the whole purpose behind that, that ending was, number one, because Dante just can't catch a break, and number two is because the whole inception of Clerks and, like Silent Bob says in this uh, movie, the soulless nature of commerce, uh, he was really inspired by Twin Peaks and David Lynch. Yeah. So he wanted to end it on some totally weird, like, it was him trying to be artsy. Yeah, and it's and like, fun, the funny thing is, is like, Kevin is not David Lynch. <laughs> no. Like, uh, David Lynch can get away with fucking weird shit like that. Uh, but Kevin, no, man. Nah, bro. It's interesting in those early years, like, where Kevin was kind of, like, aiming his career to go versus what the phenomenon of Clerks um, led him, like, the path that led him down, you know? Yeah. Uh, he wanted to be this more experimental, um, I, I don't want to say art house, but they even mentioned in this, I consider myself the retail Richard Linklater, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he was really going for that. Slacker is what kicked him into high gear, but during his time at the Quick Stop, I think it was him and Brian Johnson, like, they would talk Twin Peaks, like, all the time. Like, that was one of their, like, aside from the Star Wars shit, like, they were talking David Lynch over at RST. Um, so it is fascinating, but I just don't know why... Um, all these years later, he continually, continuously um, insists that Dante needs to die. Yeah. Do not understand. So let's pause right here. I'm going to smoke another cig uh, and get some water. Okay, so where were we? Um, we talked about... Dante and Veronica, what could have been with them, and I think we moved on past that to... So at this um, point, is this where, you know, we get the montage of original scenes being recreated? This is where the ball gets rolling on Randall's film, um, and this is where I kind of check out the movie a little bit, where it's one of those things where I'm just being reminded of a better movie I could be watching, and I know that that's the point, but, again, it somewhat feels like filler. Some of the recreation shots are kind of cool. Some of them, especially one near the end, which we'll get to, serves the plot, and I really like it, but for the most part, um, the Jay dancing sequence, all that stuff, again, is stories that... Uh, Kevin Smith fans, including myself, like have heard uh, several times over where it, it is nice to see a new movie, but it's like it doesn't feel like any new content is being uh, given, you know? I totally feel you. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I do like it. I do like seeing things start moving. and uh, 
the bit with Jay where you know he can't he can't do his thing until everybody leaves, and he's just like you know push just push the button and go away. Uh, it is funny that he calls Randall a cuck, but aside from that. <laughs> But yeah, and then there's one there's one bit during all of this, this whole montage that I actually do like. And it's another moment where it shows that Dante could be, you know, on the up and up. He uh he sees Randall taking control and giving directions and he kind of smiles and shit that that his friends actually, you know, sort of growing up and 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 being somebody uh Meanwhile, Randall's, like, scraping his boots on him, because the whole time, uh, there was that scene before I mentioned where Dante had just finished the script, and it's always mentioned that. He's like, it's like I saw my life uh, flash before my eyes. He's like, Randall keeps going back to it. It's my life, my yeah, life, my yeah. movie. Randall, uh, he wrote Randall. Randall's always been a self-centered prick, but I do think he's a little unnecessarily too self-centered and selfish in this to the point where it's like it it, it sort of destroys his perfect realization at the end of Clerks 2 where you know he in Clerks 2 he realizes he hasn't done shit and he has nobody but fucking Dante well in this he's constantly uh, shitting on Dante and, and, and being about me 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 heart attack heart attack heart attack my movie my movie my movie uh, that it gets a, it just kind of you know it just it just rubs me the wrong way, and yeah. uh, <clears throat> they they don't have and we're gonna get to this when we get there, uh, but uh, there is no um, R Randall gets no fucking redemption in this fucking movie, man. Uh, he <laughs> Randall does not deserve the happy ending that he gets in this fucking movie. No. Uh, at he all. He's oblivious to the reality around him, which I know that's always been a staple of the character, but to this it's to a resounding degree where it's like, even with as big of an asshole as Randall is, to, to call Dante, like, the Dak, like, that's just stupidity, where it's like, no, you know he would be a major character, in like, he's literally next to you every day. Yeah. Like. And, you know, that's just silly, silly banter, really. I mean, that, that could just be, Rand, that could just be Randall busting his balls, you know, just being, you know, being silly. That could just be the friends being friends, fucking with each other, you know. Uh, oh, but then he also writes him in the hideous fucking shud with a hideous fucking shud beard, which again could be ball busting. But it, there comes a point where it's like, where you do that every day. When does it come to a point where it's like you're not being a friend anymore? You yeah. know what I mean? You're just being a dick. Yeah, and Dante has been, and I know it's supposed to all build up towards that blowout. Like Dante says all this, but you feel like earlier on, you would kind of put, yeah, he feels bad about the heart attack and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, so, and again, like you said, in this moment, Dante feels like Randall is doing something with his life, at least. Yeah. And, and that was a fine little nod between all this. And even the recreations are kind of fun, but I like seeing, uh, you know, the original people coming back with the Chulis gum bit and even 
the lady who was the little girl putting a cigarette in her mouth, and now she's like 30-something, putting a cigarette in her mouth, and that makes absolutely no sense in the universe where Randall's trying to make a movie, but it, where it makes sense in the original Clerks because Randall's not watching the register and a little girl gets a hold of a cigarette. Now it makes no fucking sense that a 36-year-old lady is, is, you know, lighting up a cigarette. It, it's just there for the audience. A lot of these recreations are there for the audience. But I do like, you know, they with the, the little cat bit, they, they give uh, Elias the cat to hold on to, and he's like, but I'm allergic to cats. And uh, <laughs> I did like the bit, though, We Got Poop, because that's not a story that gets told a shit ton, no pun intended, but... It is a good story where it's like they did literally have to sit there forever just to wait for that cat to shit on camera. Yeah. And it is astounding that they have the same old man standing there. Yeah. Some of the other uh, recreation scenes, um, like the guy getting the Pringles out of his, uh, out of the, uh, uh, his hand out of the Pringles can. His hand out of the Pringles. I'm not sure if that's the same actor or not, especially when we cut to Randall filming it. Um, yeah. Most of them are the same guys, but some of them are recasted. And so that's all fun and games, but I do like it when they finally do get the cat, and then Elias just falls over foaming at the mouth. But then you gotta, you gotta love that, like, alright, you just suffered a heart attack, and they it, Dante instantly called an ambulance. This motherfucker is foaming at the mouth and fell over, and everybody's laughing at him. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> only when the plot requires do yeah. we need an emergency. Like it's a, it's a funny it's a funny little gag, but at the same time it's like all right within universe, uh, you <laughs> know. This would have been yet another plot point. Elias is in the hospital now. Yeah, you know, the movie would just end with everyone in the fucking hospital. <laughs> but uh, Gerard Way, fucking wailing. God damn. So. After all this, is this the moment uh, we get the movie scene? I, I can't stand the movie scene just because the music in it, it's not even that it's like modern music, it's just that it doesn't fit in Clerks, the song is just awkward, it cuts to random dancing. I know the point is that Jay needs to make a distraction, um... Also, it's just kind of weird that, like, so Jay, Randall's putting his entire life into this movie, um, so this is going to be a long fucking movie, like, this is going to be Clerks 1 and 2, like, edited together into, like, one mishmash, you know? Because they're filming at the movies. Yeah, so, they go there, and... We get a, a stoner freak out moment. Everybody's smoking weed and some little rap song playing. Sounds like a cool little song. Uh, it just fell out of place to me, at least. Yeah, like, like, I, it's um, just there. It's such yeah. a Jay and Silent Bob movie kind of thing, you know? It's that's like. Thing. That, that's a good way of putting it. It's no. Like, the scene would have been fine in Reboot. It's like we jumped back to Reboot for two minutes. Yeah, it's like this would work perfect in, in another movie besides Clerks. But at the same time, when you get to Clerks 2 and we have that fucking ABC 1, 2, 3 moment where everyone oh, and their right. dogs, you know, 
fucking yeah, dancing. <laughs> that that's the trump card right there. You got me there. <laughs> yeah. At least this movie doesn't have like a full on uh, a musical sequence. Yeah, exactly. So like it almost makes a little more sense for this because like you got four people stoned off their asses just having yeah. fun as opposed it's to. Going back to that, uh, it's going back to what I said before. It's give and take. You know what? I'll I'll take it then. Yeah, uh, but so they go to movies, and I do like I do like this that you know they're all going there to sneak into movies. Where did they get this donkey? Like they show up with a donkey, and there's no explanation on where or how they got this donkey. They just have it. But I do kind of like that. Uh, it's like I think that is a pretty funny gag. That's like you know I don't need to know how they got the donkey. I just think it's funny seeing the fact that they do have a donkey. There's some, like, Jay and Silent Bob side story, probably. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? To be had of them trying to get the donkey. And it does show restraint that, um, in a film so, um, full of cameos and callbacks, it's like that they didn't just do Kinky Kelly and the sexy stud again. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Uh, I don't think he even shows up in the movie. Hey, uh, like, they could have easily had him, um, uh, yeah, no, that was pretty good. Uh, but this is where shit gets awkward with Dante again, where yeah. he just cannot enter the movies. And, and they, this, there is a way they could have done this, and it would have been perfect. They could have, and it almost looked like they did. But there's two things here. Yeah, he's not going to be able to, he says he, he hasn't been able to walk into this movie since. Um... Oh, Becky dies. And everybody runs in there to film it, and Ghost Becky shows up straight up within her right, saying, Look, man, turn the page. Move on. Fucking da 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 da. da. And he's like, No, whoa, whoa. And he runs off. Runs yeah. off like a, a crying ass bitch. And that could have worked if. Ghost Becky goes to pick up the shirt, but then she transitions into Randall picking up the shirt. And Randall is pissed that Dante is within his right having a fucking freakout moment. And this is, this is what annoys me, is the fact that this could have been a moment where Randall realized, man, I'm fucking up. Yeah, with a shot like that, too, that's easily the coolest shot in the movie with Randall picking up the, uh, the movie's uniform. Yeah. He could have, this could have been Randall's moment of, of, uh, <clears throat> turnaround, uh, but it's not. Dante from getting drunk or meets him right as he's getting the alcohol and they could have finished the movie. Yeah. Or this could have been where the blowout happens in, well, actually no, because I do like the salsa shark thing. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're just about the blowout, the blowout is in a perfect spot, but it's also, it's also like, it's about to be too little too late. Um, because we could have had it, Randall realizes, man, I'm fucking up, da-da-da, I didn't realize my friend was this fucked up over, uh, the death of his wife, uh, let me, let me drop all this bullshit and let me go fucking talk to him. You could have had your blowout, you could have had your blowout, and Randall accept it and be like, I'm sorry, man, and apologize, they make amends, that everything's cool, no, 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 no. Or you could have done this because think about this. This is another way that, that shows Randall being a little more self-centered than he needs to be. 
He just thinks it's all cool and fine that they're going to the movies, the movies that they worked at, and he's not even thinking about the fact that this could fuck uh, Dante up. Uh, he just wants to make the fucking movie. Uh, it would have been nice if Randall said, look, man, we're, we're going to be making the movie. We're going to be filming at movies. Are you okay to be there? And Dante could have been like, yeah, man, I'm cool. I got it. You know, da-da-da-da-da. And then Dante realized, I can't, I can't handle this, and he gets out of there. That would have been another better way to handle this moment. But no. And it would have at least justified Randall being a little bit more pissed off, because he's not pissed that fucking necessarily Dante did it. It's that, like, dude, you told me that you were going to be good for it. I talked to you. Like, what's going on here? Like, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. Dante runs off, and... Uh, it pretty much cuts back to the convenience store, right? Yeah, because they, they go back to film there after the movie sequence. I think uh, Randall even mentions that. It's like, we're going to even have to go back and reshoot yeah. uh, tomorrow anyway because yeah. you left. And so they're, they're, reshoot, they're there shooting scenes at the convenience store. And they have a lady and, a, and her husband and their daughter from the high school there. Why? Some well, here's one thing. Lando is the is one of the background characters, um, and he's technically from the animated series. Yeah. So that's like his first live action appearance in the Ask universe. So I did like that. And uh, fuck, is it Mark Bernardin or Mark Bernard? Uh, he does podcasting with uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I think he does. He does yeah. Like and it's like... That's welcome. I did like that. There's no reason at all for them to be there. I mean, they make up some real loose thing, like, oh, it's going to be press for the high school newspaper or something. But other than that, the only reason they are there is to be a black family being like, whoa, white people be crazy. Yeah. That's the only reason they are there. And they, and again, it kind of adds that weird kind of um, back and forth tonally with Dante has the blowout. Yeah. It's a big, serious moment, but then we're going to stop for a moment. Like, there might as well be a record scratch. Yeah. It's like, it's getting and real serious, that, and then it cuts to, whoa, why, look at these white people. No, no discredit to, like, the actors. It's just, yeah, another one of those weird Kevin Smith moments. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, Dante shows up, drunk as hell, yeah, let's film the movie, da-da-da-da-da, and Don, uh, Randall, uh, you know, being a dick, not realizing at all the, the weight of the situation is being a, he pulls fucking Dante into the freezer and pushes him like a dick, and, uh, my movie, you're ruining my movie, da 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 and it's like, oh, man, really, y'all are really fucking this, uh, this friendship dynamic up, man. Hardcore. Do you ever think about, like, anyone other than yourself, and I know it's supposed to be, like, uh, fucking, I know that's supposed to be the irony of it, is that Randall doesn't see that that's exactly what he's doing, but... It, it is just frustrating as a viewer sometimes, just to see it constantly keep happening. It doesn't feel like, again, up until this next scene, I know it's supposed to be like coming to a boiling point, but 
it never seems to like escalate or de-escalate. It just kind of stays in that one spot of Randall's a jerk and Dante's uh, and Dante's kind of like bipolar. Yeah, and this uh, this would have been fine to have your blowout this late in the movie, you know. Uh, as long as everybody got to apologize, everything was cool, uh, but not. So, they recreate the salsa shark scene, and I started really noticing, man, I was like, the way he said it, I, I say salsa. This man is saying salsa. And like salsa shark. And it's like, oh, it's, people be different, man, but I'm like, damn, I just be, I, I just noticed the shit out of that. I was like, damn, this man says salsa different. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I one mean... One thing before, if, if I could just cut you off for one second, because I just remembered this during the montage of the recreating the fucking Clark scenes. They do that one shot in RST where fucking Randall's face is covered in makeup, and I think that's supposed to be, like, an in-joke to uh, the first Clerks. I have no idea, but it's just the one shot between him and Veronica, and it just looks odd, man. Yeah. Like, I guess they're trying to make him look younger. I have no idea, but he is, like, covered in white makeup. And then the one bit during the recreation uh, when they do the, uh, um, you know, you're not allowed to rent here anymore. That's fine. And then the lady comes in there and wants to do it like, I love Lucy. Yeah, and Kevin Smith explained that at the screening because I was wondering, like, what that was. And that... Lady, she is from the first clerk. She's an she's a local actress, I believe, and that was just again another inside joke. That was her thing. She's a big fan of I Love Lucy. She has a great Lucy impression. So that's another one of those just kind of hey man, we're gonna we're gonna put that in the movie. Yeah, that was that's just a little odd, like straight out of nowhere. Uh, and, and so back to where we're at. Boom, we have the blowout. And I do like this scene. I think it's the best scene that's shot in the movie because I like how we keep cutting back to the black and white, like the recreation shot, but then we have those hard close-ups on Dante. He's yeah. not crying. He's not... It's just him, and the lines that he's saying perfectly reflect where he is in his life. This is like... Like the best callback of the movie, in my yeah, opinion. Just because it drives the plot forward and it, it brings everything together. So I think that that was a pretty brilliant moment. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like Brian's uh, blowout here because I think it is justified. Um, yeah. And I like the fact that prior to the blowout, everything leading up to the blowout is seen in black and white. And then the moment the blowout happens, it's color. Because this is telling us this shit is real. Uh, this isn't part of the movie that they're making. This is the real fucking moment. Like, I think that sort of transition from the black and the white to the color, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's what I had read from that. But, uh... That's what I feel like it definitely was the intention of. So, I... This is the scene I always think of with Clerks 3. If I had to give it, like, any positivity, like, that's what I jumped to, is this scene was really well done. Yeah, um, it's a great blowout amidst a lot of 
Because every Clerks movie has sort of ended with a blowout between Randall and Dante. The first movie, they're literally, like, at each other's throats, throwing shit at each other. Um, and what I like about this freakout, as opposed to the cemetery scene, is it's less blubbery, like, he's crying, but it's like, he comes off so real in this moment, and it's not your typical Dante um, bitching and complaining. Like, this yeah. is him breaking down, being completely honest, years of being basically shackled down by Randall's antics yeah. and sticking by him. Definitely. Like, this is a fantastic, uh, more fantastic dramatic acting uh, from, from Dante. And uh, I like how Kevin, they're filming it at first, but then when it starts getting way too real... They're, they're like, no, we're, they just point the camera down to the floor. I like that, too. Yeah, he looks at the audio guy. He put, he's, like, putting the mic down for him. But, uh... But he faints, and then this is where, you know, we get the off-putting, like, now we're gonna throw a gag in there, and then... Oh, come on, Dante, like, get up. Yeah, <laughs> wake up, man, wake up. Oh, no, and boom. Now, this is... Think about this, too. All right, when Randall gets to the hospital, it's all fun and games. It's jokes and jokes and jokes. And Lit is playing in the background. Like, this is this is just serious. This is fucking no music. I mean, it's straight up. We're running in there. And they're, we're trying to find Dante. They're like, no, get the fuck out of here. Da, 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 da. You know, There's whereas, no Amy Sedaris in a witch costume here. Yeah, like, that, this is not... This is already telling you, no, nah, this is fucking serious. And when I first saw this, we were watching, and, and, and Zach, Zach was all like, Zach had already seen the movie four or five times. And he's like, what were you thinking there? And I was like, well, they're not going to have two people survive a heart attack in the same movie. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, motherfucking, this is another moment that pisses me off. Uh, Randall and Elias are there, and Randall's like, all right, Elias. I need <laughs> Elias yeah. is full on King Diamond. Yeah. And, uh, and Randall's like, all right, I got to get out of here, man. I'm going to make the movie. <clears throat> and Elias is uh, the voice of reason and, and telling Randall, look, you've been too selfish. Da -da 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 -da. You're fucking it up. You know, this is your friend. You're being selfish. Fuck you. And Randall is still not getting it. This We, we got ten more minutes. In the and movie. And listen to what the doctor said, because he's like, oh, so what? I had a heart attack. I'll be fine. But, like, exactly. he was a 20% heart rate, and she said that Dante is, like, pretty much on the fast track to, like, the exact same heart attack, which nobody really survives. And so... He's he like, I gotta finish my movie. And I yeah. do love, uh, I love Elias, actually, now being able to use profanity. And yeah. he's so free. Fuck you, Randall. Like, it's so satisfying. Yeah. I used to look up to you, man. And so, Randall gets home, and then he starts seeing old pictures. And that's when Randall realizes, oh, man, da -da -da, I've been a dick. And starts to finish the movie. And <clears throat> so now... We have to have Jay and Silent Bob uh, distract more motherfuckers. Um, yeah, we have this odd sneaking into the hospital moment where, yeah, 
And I don't know, he's man. like, I made it's a, what do you say, I made yeah. a doo-doo in ICU or some shit. Yeah. And fucking everybody's chasing him. Classic Jay and Silent Bob moment, you know, being chased by a bunch of people. Uh, wall rats. <laughs> yeah, and like always security guards right behind everybody. Uh, <laughs> but then... Randall walks in there and straight up Dante laying on the hospital bed with tubes and shit on a fucking ventilator and uh, Don Randall's like look man I, I finished your movie man I want you to see our first movie and he turns it on it's so off yeah. like it feels creepy in a way like imagine you're in Dante's position like and I know like he holds uh, Randall's hand and like with the the Becky scene, he actually enjoys the movie, but I wrote down that it's like, there's no reason for uh, Dante to die. Kevin seems to insist on it. It seems like the whole point was about him turning his life around, and there could have been a way for him and Randall to patch it up, but the way that they're showing uh, dying Randall and all this stuff, like, it, it doesn't seem like Randall learned a fucking thing. Exactly, and, and Randall... By Randall learning is basically him changing the movie to focus on Dante, and uh, like the last thing I think Dante would want to see is the movie at all. I think it would have just been more powerful. He still could have said everything he could have said, but like put the movie aside. Yeah, you know, be like the movie of our lives is what matters. You know what I mean? And you were there with me every step of the way. Yeah. And I get it. He's viewing, like, when we finally get that sequence. It's nice that he's literally watching the first Clerks because that's how Dante remembers it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. The whole thing of, like, hey, man, I brought the laptop. Uh, like, it's just so, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, and it's like, this man, this man got this movie patched up pretty fucking quick. Yeah, like, it had to be, like, just B-roll foot. Like, I have no idea what rough cut, like, he could have been watching. Yeah, because <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, this movie mattered nothing. It went nowhere. No, it, we don't see if it ever gets a release. Exactly. Uh, it, it doesn't get a YouTube upload or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, th there was no point in the movie except for Randall to fulfill uh, his ego, basically. And, and that's the thing. It feels like the real, if we're going to do this whole dying Randall, uh, dying Dante thing, um, it just kind of seems like that should have been put to the side. Like, that should have been the ultimate lesson. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, because right know. here, all this is showing Dante is, uh, instead of him, Randall being there for his friend, it shows Dante that, oh, yeah, yeah, after he went to the hospital, he went and finished the fucking movie. Uh, like, in real life, nobody, if, if you're working on something like that and then somebody that close to you is, is in the hospital, all that shit's put on fucking hold, and you're at the fucking hospital. Yeah, you edit together a nice movie for them after you know they're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I think all, I think all of this shit is mishandled. Uh, and then we get this... I, I hate to use this word, but this pretentious-ass shit with Dante at a movie theater and Becky shows up. Ghost fucking Becky. Becky. And what is wine 
really got the song going. Yeah. I do think the song was used better in this movie than in Tusk, because in Tusk it was just used as a gag. That was part of what they talked about on the podcast was end the horror movie on like some somber, like beautiful song, because that's what horror movies do. Yeah, is this the uh, is this the Gerald Way song? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think it's called, like, Oh, oh Wally Wally or yeah. something is this, like that. Is it Gerald or Gerard? Gerard. Gerard? I'm saying Gerald way. Gerald way. Yeah. <laughs> Gerald's fucking uh, Sid Barrett's rat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I call him Gerald. He's getting kind of old, but he's a good mouse. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... So, like, yeah, mishandles all this shit. Like, th- this is probably the most pretentious thing I've seen in the, the the little viewersk universe. Hands fucking down, man. In a movie theater, dead-ass Dante watching the movie, dead-ass Becky Ghost watching the movie, and, uh... Like, it does get me choked, but it I feel like it's kind of a cheap trick, because it's like, yes, I do have an emotional connection to these characters. It is, like, inherently sad to see one of them die... The song itself does most of the lifting for this scene. And me, uh, every time I watch it, the first time I watched it, I remember Zach kept looking at me. I don't know if Zach was like waiting to see if I was tearing up, but both times I saw this movie, I'm thinking, why the fuck are you doing this? What are you doing, man? You're fucking this up. And he had a chance. He had a fucking chance to fix this, and I'd have been okay with it. All right? Uh, when motherfucking... If you still... Didn't want to kill Dante, but do all this shit. Do all this shit and don't kill Dante. You could have done all this. And the moment he says, okay, let's go. Are you ready to go? And and she's like, don't you want to see the end of the movie? And he's like, he says, I trust the director. And then boom, off to heaven they go. To handle, to, to sort of redeem this shit right here. He could have said, are you ready to go? And she'd be like, I am, but you're not. You know, da da da, it's not your time. Blah, 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 you know, and... Yeah, if we're really going to have this thing where he's showing him the movie, and the lesson is that Randall, like, you you might as well just have Becky be like, look at what your best friend, because he says it, he was my best friend. Yeah. She could have been like, and look at what your best friend did for you, um, ultimately. Like, you may not have even seen it in the moment, but this was all for you. Yeah, and, um, and you, you need to go and finish living your damn life. Because she even said to him at the graveyard, you know, you still have a story of your life. Your story, you're, you still have the story. The story ended for me and, and the dead kid, but, uh, you know, but nah, fucking every time she told his ass, uh, get over it, he fucking didn't. And now... Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> contradictory. Yeah, because he couldn't fucking get over it. Guess what? He drank himself to death. He had too much alcohol, fucked him up, had a heart attack, and motherfucking dies. And then, and basically has a chance, but he's like, no, I'm, he just gives up. Straight gives up. Gets up, walks out of the theater, and uh, flat lines and everything. triumphant for Dante. Like, that's supposed to be his happy ending, is that he gets to be with Becky, but... Dead as fuck. Becky the whole time has been, not, like, meanly, but pushing him away in, like, a healthy sense of, like, I'm gone. Like, yeah, like, I'm gone, I'm you're not. Fucking live, bro. And like yeah, I said, um, we could have we could have had it go full circle where him and Veronica 
they make amends, and they, you know, and Dante gets to start over again, and uh, you know, it, it, it still have the thing with Randall and Elias being basically the clerks, the next generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but Dante could move on. Doesn't mean he has to move to Florida. Like he could still be part of the universe. Like maybe they move like a town over, and that's a big leap for fucking Dante. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Still in Jersey. Like he lives leaves his half of the store to to Elias or some shit, and <clears throat> who fucking knows? So boom. Definitely no need for Emma in this movie. Yeah. So boom, it cuts, and fucking funeral, fucking funeral home, and uh, we got. And it gets off put by gags because he's still doing the Satanist thing. Yeah, like, what is this supposed to be funny? We're at a fucking goddamn funeral, man. And I do the line, though, uh, Dante's Inferno? No. Dante's Fred, so, see. Yeah, that, that was funny. That's good. And Elias in full, he, he has reached his full form. <laughs> you know? Strongest form. Yeah. And he, everyone's just looking at him like... He's reached like, goth level 11. Yeah. It's off the charts. It's over 9,000. It is cool to see Millennium at the damn funeral, like, yeah. in for two seconds, and she continues, like, what the fuck are butt thieves? Like, that's it. That's in character for Jay's kid. Yeah. So, nice little callback to the butt thieves uh, joke. Um, and then Randall gets up there to, uh, to make a little damn eulogy. And mentions how he was going to pull from the Wrath of Khan, uh, but he was more of a Star Wars guy, so he said, I will quote The Departed, and then brings up the goddamn movie, uh, The Departed, you know, Dante, not the Leonardo, or the Scorsese movie, and, and shit, and... Uh, and yeah, he, he nitpicks the, the rat at the end. It almost feels like Seth MacFarlane-y in nature, where it's like nobody would really go off on this tangent. Yeah! Uh, that is very Seth MacFarlane-y. Uh, and then he's going to say, you're not even supposed to be here today. Like, what, man? Uh, and then he's a dramatic pullback on the funeral as he puts his hand on the thing. Don, uh, fucking Elias put one of the Jesus kites on there. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I, I get what you're trying to do with that line. No, but and you know what they missed out on? I forgot to even write this down, but I remember thinking this immediately when I left the theater, is it would have been a really funny gag if at the funeral, because it's all just his friends. There's no family members there. It would have been funny if they, because it's just a casket. You could have had Brian O'Halloran with long-ass hair and Gil Hicks shave his beard. Gil Hicks is at the damn funeral. Fucking, I think Grant Hicks died in Dogma, but it would have been funny to have, like, fucking copy-pasted Brian O'Halloran's... Yeah, but, does, but Grant Hicks shows up. Grant Hicks shows up in Reboot. That's right, so they're both alive. Like, why aren't they at... I guess they didn't care for Dante much. Right, see, that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. That would have been fantastic. That would have actually been funny. That would have been amazing if they had done that. Or, even if they wanted to fucking do it, Randall knocks the casket over. Oh my god. That's now we're going into full farce, but it's like, again, clerks, shouldn't it almost, 
maybe not like parody, but shouldn't it be like buddies first? You know? Yeah. Like I mean that 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 would be another little you know fan in joke and shit. You know. But the, the same funeral home. Yeah, yeah, same fucking funeral home. It it would have been perfect. Would been perfect. There. Uh, and so after this, it cuts to the quick stop, and Emma shows up. Just to be a bitch, and be like, you know, rubbing it in, yeah, hey, oh yeah, Dante's dead, fuck him, now I own half of this store. Just for <clears throat> uh, Coltrane Black Chain, or whatever the fuck his name is, to be all like, dude, we got a million dollars, or all the kites sold out. And yeah, boom, I cashed out a hundred thousand, man, just, just, just to flex. Here's half for you. He's like, well, I might not earn my spot right here, but I'll buy it. And he throws the money at Emma. Boom! You owned this place for 30 seconds. <laughs> Be gone! And he says something like, yeah. And, and she just walks out. She just walks out like, oh, you foiled my plan. Uh, foiled again. Yeah, it's so lame. So fucking lame. And, uh... Yeah, it is a an odd end. I do like the pullback shot where instead of Kevin's mom, it's it's Millennium now doing the milk. Yeah, uh, Millennium doing the milk, and then you have Force Ghost Dante. Ugh. Yeah, I really like the pullback in Clerks 2 a little bit more. This one. I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. Then there was another song before it. Like, the soundtrack, for the most part, was good, but there was that other song. It was that Pearl Jam song at the funeral. Yeah, but then there's also fucking, when Randall's running after the fucking thing, there's that that, that, that punk song. Yeah. It, Life's not like living in New Jersey, or whatever the fuck. Yeah. More of those odd sounds. Like, the songs themselves aren't bad. It's the soundtrack choices. When they did, um... When they were writing the 37 scene, there was that quick song by, uh, by Froggy, the fucking 7-Eleven nachos. Yeah, what? No, yeah, that was another thing. Like, where does this fit? Like, I love me some Riot Girl. You know what I'm saying? I love me some girl punk like that. But where does this 7-Eleven nachos track fit in this moment? I've been jamming to it all day. I mean, it is really good. But it's a yeah, badass like, track, man. Uh, who actually does it? I do not know who does it. Yeah, the group is called Froggy. I Froggy. Rad. I need to look them up. I don't know any other songs, but I, I like that one. That's fucking rad. That's a rockin' ass track. Uh, I mean, it was just reminding me of, like, some uh, Bratmobile or fucking L7 and shit. Or yeah. uh, <laughs> Daisy Chainsaw. I guess for, like, the kids. For the convenience store. Bikini kill. Yeah. Or, or Babes in Toyland. It reminded me of that kind of shit. That was easily, like, aside from, like, just reminding me how great that Lit song was, that was easily my favorite addition to the soundtrack. It came closest. I think it's also, like, in spirit, it does kind of have, like, that berserker kind of, like, that rocket-ass feel to it. Yeah. But, man, uh, so that's where we're at. We are at the end of the fucking movie. And... Yeah, God damn it. Well, and then there was that thing beforehand where Randall's like, I need you guys to help out uh, 
Dante. And again, we're 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 off balancing it with like weird gags where it's like they have that giant joint. Earlier in the movie, Silent Bob is just dropping straight nugs into it, not even grinding it. Like <laughs> needs more weed. So at that point, it just felt really off because it's like, dude, uh, Dante's dying, bro. Like, what's going on? Yeah, a lot of you know, sadly, a lot of the Jay and Silent Bob gags are just kind of. Uh, I've seen this before. I do like the one gag where. Um, you're like, what? The video store closed down, and he's like, oh, I'm getting senile. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, well, here, here's dental surgery, whatever the fuck that movie is, and he's like, how much do we owe you for uh, late fees? And uh, he's like, yeah, we didn't even watch it because we didn't have a VCR, and then he's like, oh, you didn't rewind, so uh, yeah, that's like $28,000.50. And uh, then it's like, well, how did you, how did you not if you didn't watch the movie how is it not rewound? He's like oh we watched it we just held the tape up and cut it under a light. Oh man! But I do like that. Yeah, the movie store closed down, but there are still videotapes all over the place. Yeah, it's kind of an aesthetic choice at this point. Number one, they're just too lazy to clean it. Number two, like. Nowadays, I feel like people would really dig that, that it's like, oh, we have this dispensary, but they have a bunch of VHSs there. Yeah. Eh, but that pretty much wraps up the movie. We end on the, the shot from Clerks 2 again, but now it's Randall all alone. Um, With and I guess Force Ghost Dante. Bittersweet? I guess, like, no, like, Randall's sad, like, he's fucking, now he's where Dante was. Yeah, it's like, he he didn't do nothing, man. He fucking, you know, he starts the movie off like, man, I saw the fucking, my movie flash behind my eyes, and it sucked, and it's like, guess what, dude? It still fucking sucks. It's about to suck a hell of a lot more. You're gonna yeah, and then, then, the fact that they waited so long for Randall to realize the error of his ways in this fucking movie, right before his best friend fucking dies, there is no kind of reconciliation at all. You could say, yeah, Dante grabs his hand, yeah, Dante, you know, in his head before he's dying says, oh yeah, he was my best friend, da 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 But nobody says anything to each other. Uh, which is pretty true to real life. Real life, you know, things like this do happen, but... It's a fucking movie, man. Exactly. And you could easily see fucking Dante putting his hand on Randall as like, no, don't play the movie. Yeah, yeah, like, no, man, look, I'm dying here. You know, I don't need this shit right now. Yeah, like, just enough is enough. <laughs> Stop it with the fucking movie. I am on my deathbed, and you are still talking about this fucking movie? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Did, did you get that, audience? Did you get it? Uh, and then, like, and then, like, you know, this is clearly not the footage that Randall shot, because, you know, they're, like, 30 years younger. Yeah, so that's how I interpret it. Is like Dante's watching the footage of them, but that's how he sees it. Yeah, that's how he remembers it. You know, that's how he lived it. The really weird gag. I assure you, we're in mourning. Yeah, that's another one. It's like, okay, I get the, I, you know, that's a running joke in this series that forever. 
I assure you we're open. Even it was it was earned on, on Clerks 2 with I assure you we are reopened. Uh, totally fucking earned. This, that makes, that's awful. That was horrible. We assure you we're in mourning. Like, really? Like, like why? Who, who, what? I think, I, huh? I said very odd. Very yeah. odd choice. Yeah, so to me, man, Kevin Smith ended, if we can right now, right now we're saying this is the ending of the, uh, of this movie series, I think he ended it pretty badly. I think this this is my least favorite out of all these movies. There are slight moments of brilliance, but they are very far and few between. I think he mishandled every opportunity to give these characters the uh, the uh, the ending they deserves. He he fucked it up, straight fucked it up. Uh, as, like, an end to the whole universe, like, I could definitely see that as the way I was looking at it, these current wave of Kevin Smith films, this era that we're in, I definitely think it's one of the better ones he's done in a while, uh, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I don't think this is going to be the end for the universe because I mentioned in the last podcast we're still supposedly getting more Morats. But then that, guy, that has me worried. That has me worried. Are we going to have T.S. and Brody hanging out, and then Brody's going to fucking die? You know what I'm saying, dude? Like, it's yeah. like, where are we going from here, man? Our characters are on death's door now. Yeah, it's like, leave it alone now, Smith. Leave it alone. Also, like, we introduced the possibility of ghosts, where it's like, nobody's ever really got... So we could still bring the actors back, but it kind of nullifies the point of killing them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to pull anything like that in the new Mallrats, but again, you don't know. Um, yeah, because think about this. All right, Strikes Back was supposed to be the ending. Clerks 2 was supposed to be the ending. Reboot was sort of supposed to be the ending. Felt like an ending. His heart attack happens. Clerks 3 is supposed to be the ending. The dude ended this series decently and then perfect perfect, and then shitty as fuck. He ended this series perfect twice. Huh? It just couldn't be left alone, I guess. Yeah, dude. Like, Strikes Back would not have been a great ending for the series at all. Uh, for me, uh, I was fine with it, but, uh, no, it would not have been a great ending for the series. Clerks 2, perfect ending for the series. Book ends, everything starts with Clerks, ends with Clerks. Reboot, again, I, I felt it was a perfect fucking send-off for all of these characters, but, like I had thought originally, I was like, okay, Strikes Back showed uh, Dante and Randall for a little bit. They aren't in Reboot, because I figured he was going to, since we knew at that point Clerks 3 was happening, I figured he was going to be saving the best for last. I was motherfucking wrong. Yeah, it was just a movie that had been wrought with production hell, basically, from day one. Um, the hardcore Kevin Smith fans were for it, but aside from that, even people who were vaguely familiar with Kevin Smith, uh, number one, Clerks 2 was a big deal when that was announced, like, the, that they're even doing that. Yeah. But then, um, I remember when Clerks 3 was first announced, that's when a lot of the trendy uh, movie, YouTube channel, podcasts, 
oh, newsflash, Kevin Smith, like, 1994 was, like, fucking X many years ago, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, like, what's going on? Yeah, I think he just mishandled every <clears throat> every opportunity he had to make this a perfect ending. I think I think he ruined it. He dropped the fucking ball. But like I said, kudos to him because that took some serious fucking balls to uh to basically kill off your main character who is supposed to be a surrogate for you. Uh you know, to kill off a main character in your series that kicked off your career. Uh, you know, took some major balls to do this, uh, to retcon his happy ending, uh, within like 30 minutes of the ending of the last one, uh, <clears throat> pretty fucking wild, uh, not the biggest fan of this movie, uh, I can, I can stop watching them at reboot and be perfectly fine. Like I said, I think overall... I, I enjoyed the watching experience better than Reboot. Um, I think the first half of the movie really elevates it for me. Um, it didn't blow me away. Like I said, a lot of the choices left me more confused. Um, at this point in the Buisk universe, do I feel like it really was that detrimental? Not Not really. But I do see where you're coming from, where um, I, better opportunities just could have been taken. You know, there's just a lot of potential there. There's there's room for greatness. Um, yeah. Um, like, I would say it's, like, below average, maybe, but I could still get through it. Like, I don't know if there's ever a point where it would be on TV or something like that, but it's one of those kind of movies where it's like, if it was on... I could vibe with it. Um, is it the first Kevin Smith movie that I'm going to go to now? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It is not one... I, I, I really, after this, I don't plan on watching it on purpose again. It's one, like you said, the first half of the movie... Uh, to me, the first... I would say, you know, everything up to the movie shit is fine. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun. But it also ruins that experience because I know where it's going. I know where it's headed. So I'm like, that right there stains uh, all the fun and games at the beginning of the movie for me. Like, I enjoy the banter between them at the convenience store. Like, I like all those little lines. Uh, but I just feel like these Dante and Randall characters, like, did it need to be a full-on third movie? Like... I like shit like when he was writing sketches, uh, Kevin Smith was writing sketches for Jay Leno, incorporating those characters, where it's like, you could just bring them back for skits. It is funny hearing them talk about modern things, that, but they're still in the convenience store. It feels more, like, less like a movie, and more like a YouTube or, like, SNL sketch. Yeah. We're, we're going to have Dante and Randall talk about NFTs. In this sketch, we're going to have Dante and Randall talk about... You know, like, uh, and in that sense, we talk about the Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. In smaller doses, I feel like, you know, these characters still have, like, a power and in culture to this day for the Kevin Smith fan base, and it is fun to check in on them every once in a while. That's why I asked uh, Kevin Smith, even though I had just seen fucking Dante die, I was like, is there any chance of, like, the animated projects returning? Because it's like, I feel like at this point... 
that would probably be a more chill uh, route to go, where you could still have these characters, but it's like not anything too high-scale plots, nothing too dramatic, like, we could just go back to funny stories in the universe. And I really like the art style to the animated series, but like I mentioned on the Reboot podcast, that show's technically owned by Disney, and, you know, it, like they wouldn't be able to reboot that show as it was. Like, they would have to start from scratch through some legal bullshit. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why that's why you had that Ren and Stimpy-esque artwork for the, uh, the groovy Silent Bob and Jay movie or whatever. Yeah, but even do something like that. Like, I don't even necessarily need a Mallrats sequel in a sense where it's a movie. Like, I would love to see, like, just, like little animated bits of, like, episodes. Like, I think when movie series go on for so long, they kind of outgrow the medium of full-length motion pictures where they could just branch out into different things. Going back to, like, of course, there's so much Star Wars talk in this movie. Like, if Disney just did The Mandalorian right off the bat, didn't do episodes 7, 8, 9, I feel like that would have won so many fans over that's like, Listen, you've already liked the animated television shows. We're going to finally try to do what was seen as the impossible. We're going to do a weekly live-action Star Wars show set after Return of the Jedi, which is what Mandalorian is, and it worked. But the fucking movies are, are iffy for me, you know what I mean? And iffy for a lot of people. So kind of the same thing here. It's like after a while with the Isk universe, why not branch off into smaller projects um, and that way if Kevin Smith still wants to make movies like Moose Jaws like he still wants to do his weirder stuff he has room to do that as well yeah and then too you know I just thought about this you remember uh, Randall's line about on um, the uh, retail Richard Linkletter yeah in a way that kind of makes sense because wouldn't you say the Clerks 1, 2, and 3 are like Linklater's uh, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight movie series. Now that you mention it, it is, yeah, you, you, you follow up with these characters every couple of years. Yeah, about every, every 10 to 15 years, man. Like, isn't that a weird uh, parallel? It is. I didn't think about it like that, but like I mentioned before with the Richard Linklater line, uh, Slacker is the thing that got him going, so... Yeah. Maybe, like, subconsciously, he just still has a little bit of that Linklater bug, um, in him. Because you could definitely see that in, like, the early Linklater films, like, what would kind of be implemented into the Askewniverse. Even, like, with the black-and-white look of the first one, you could see with some shots where he was trying to be Lynchian, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, on a shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting seeing, like... And I think, ultimately, that's what makes this movie worth it, why I'm not, like, totally, um, I guess, poo-pooing on it, because um, it's been fascinating just to see the ride that is Kevin Smith's career. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty fascinated in seeing where he goes next. He's always announcing new projects. Um... Even if those projects don't happen, you know what I mean? He's, his mind is just always um, fluctuating with ideas. Yeah, he's always coming up with something. And, 
a lot of times it doesn't get made. Like I still hate that you know mall brats never happened, but I still would like to you know I hate that you know this whole this whole damn podcast series you know has been praising and praising and praising how he how well he handles his characters only for this to happen. Yeah, the characters have been what we mostly focused on throughout these podcasts, and it does seem like a left turn yeah. uh, right at the end. And I know that he was doing that to try to subvert expectations, maybe surprise the audience, but, yeah, it, it's a fine line to walk, and... Um, it was unnecessarily mean-spirited. I think to a general audience, it wasn't a success, because, of course, you need to be in the know on the Askew universe, but I think in-house like, the Kevin Smith fandom as a whole really, uh, really liked it. Um, and I'm happy. I mean, if you enjoyed the movie, like, that's, that's fucking awesome. Uh, for me, it just left me, uh, feeling a little awkward. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, like, there's a lot of shit in the movie that is really good, but I think that ending just stains it all. But, uh... That's pretty much where it's at. I, like, if I had to rate it, um... I guess I would give it, like, a four. I would say it's okay. Is that, like, a four out of ten or four out of five? It's, like, a four out of ten. Like, a four out of five would be, like, this is pretty good. Like, that's a generous four out of five saying it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like... That's about what I gave, uh... That's about what I gave, like, Ghostbusters 2016. So if we're looking at that four, it's, like, Ghostbusters 2016 is at the lower end of that okay where Clerks 3 is, like, at maybe the higher end of that, then I would say it's okay. Like I said, if it comes on somewhere or somebody's watching it and I just happen to walk into the room, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, shut this off. Like, I would definitely chill out, give it, like, another watch, but um, I don't see myself going back to it, like, anytime soon by choice. Yeah, this is a three for me because it's below average, but it's, like... It could be a perfect average, uh, but the ending stained it. The to me, the mishandling of uh, characters stained it, and the fact that I have no desire to watch it again past podcast prep uh, just kind of uh, <clears throat> throws it at a three, man. It did stand out to me that it's like I took several breaks while watching the movie. Like I, I couldn't. Really, maybe it's a me problem, but I just couldn't really sit still for the second watching. Like I was, I wasn't hating what I was watching, but I wasn't um, necessarily like as engaged as I was with some of his previous movies as well. Um, so yeah, I would say four is a good way to put it. Three seems pretty appropriate as well. I wouldn't say it's as low as a one. Uh, I would still say Yoga Hosers is his worst movie. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, definitely, to me, out of his X-Universe movies, this is definitely the worst. Definitely the worst. That's fair. I could see that. Uh, Keeping his other movies out of it, you know, um, because I haven't seen all of his other movies. In fact, I think it's, I've only seen Red State and Tusk, or not saw Zack and Mary make a porno, porno, and I think that's it. The other ones like Cop Out, Jersey Girl, all that stuff, I haven't even seen. 
for me, like, at least Cop Out, you could argue it was, like, that was just a job. Like, it's not really a Kevin Smith film. Like, that was him just trying to make yeah. his way in Hollywood and see what he could do with this with this movie, direct something that he didn't write, see what he could do. Um, which he's found more success doing in television um, with, like, the CW TV shows. Um, but... What was I going on about? This has been a long one. Hey. I'm starting to go hazy. But since you mentioned uh, Ghostbusters 2016, how about let's do Afterlife next? That's what I was thinking about, but I'm really trying to figure out the point that I was trying to make with um, fucking... Oh, yeah, so with Yoga Hosers, that's what flipped my lid with him a little bit. That's what kind of... Um, that was the first real Kevin Smith movie I didn't jive with. So, I kind of scale it by that now, you know what I mean? So that's maybe why I was a little bit more welcoming to this uh, below-average clerk century, because I'm like, at least it wasn't that. Yeah. But I'm totally down with Ghostbusters Afterlife next. I, I've been thinking about rewatching it myself. That's another one that I haven't checked out since it's been out. So I probably have a lot of brewing thoughts on it. Um, fuck yeah, dude. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that and then go on to the uh, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. So this is it. The, the next two episodes, we're doing catch up on the last retrospectives. And then we can start some new retrospectives. Yeah. But for now, Basement Dwellers, I hope you enjoyed. Thanks to everybody who commented. Um, always make sure, you know, to keep up with the page for when the uploads are happening. Um, they get uploaded to Bloody Chuckle Studios. Um, if you want to check out my channel, not really active at the moment, but you can check out my older videos, uh, FDV Productions. And on the Facebook page, you leave your comments and we read them out in the first portion of the show. Um, the group is The Facement fresh from the Facebook group. You can look that up. You can also find Speaker Brains. You can follow us, you know, separately as well. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to be shouted out or if you just want to share your thoughts, become part of the discourse, you know, be our guest. We, we welcome it. Yeah, hit it up. Thanks for listening. Hell yeah. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife next episode. Stay tuned um, and keep an eye on that page. It's going to be uh, getting a lot more active coming up. Yeah. All right, y'all. Take it easy. Catch you later.